who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Lifetime original movies are a staple of any TV junkie's diet, and we take them very seriously. So seriously that we've dedicated an entire podcast to picking apart each and every one ever made. The stories, the actors, the stunning dialogue, the IMDb trivia, we're here to discuss it all with the appropriate mixture of reverence and humor, one movie at a time. I'm Molly McAleer, and this is Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Okay, so our guest is Ira Madison III. He is someone that I have admired on Twitter for so long and that coincidentally so many of you, my friends, meaning like the three friends I have that listen to this podcast, have said to me, you got to talk to this guy, Ira, like you have to have him on Please Advise, you have to have him on the Lifetime podcast or something. And I'm like, dude, I already am. Uh, this movie is She Cried No. It's Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, she was recently married to Mark Paul Gossler. And this was a movie that Ira asked to watch. And um, I had already given it to someone else. And then they canceled. And I was like, Ira, you can have it. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad I got to watch 
this one because yeah. it's one of my favorite Lifetime movies. It's a really good one. Did you watch it today? Did you watch it again today? Yeah, I watched it again today. But like, what's your history with this movie? Well, I remember seeing this in reruns. Yeah. You know, back when like it would come on with all of the other ones with dramatic titles. Do you think in like the 90s there was like a, like it was appointment television, right? Like if a new Lifetime movie came out, like you stayed at home and watched it? No, so I was even thinking today when it was like, there's a there's a title card at the end that talks about like stats you know stats you yeah. know with rape um and freshman girls on college campuses yes um and i was like people actually learned these statistics because people did actually watch lifetime movies yes. back then they were yes. sort of like our netflix or whatever i also learned that in one of these um lifetime movies so far this is actually a more recent one that most uh the most popular mental illness most popular the mental illness that people die from the most is anorexia really like do you die for that i mean i die for that i mean i didn't know yeah. i had no idea I guess like i, I would really assume like as mental but I guess it is mental. It, exactly yeah. right. That's the thing that shocked me about it was that. And, and by the way, I like can I started this like thinking that I was like the queen bee that like these movies would not own me that like I was in charge of what was happening here and like I actually no these movies are in charge of me <laughs> like I have learned so much about myself it's embarrassing like I literally was just googling narcissists today and I'm like I know these facts why do I have to google them again and I'm like because lifetime owns me and that these movies exist to teach Idiots like me who just black out bad information, like I'll black out bad information. Like I don't want to proceed knowing that narcissists are going to trick me like that. And then I forget. And then these Lifetime movies like remind me. And then I go through Wikipedia and I'm like, okay, like, thank you. It's so weird thinking of like Lifetime movies now because they're all romantic comedies. Yes. Like it's always just like a, oh, it's... Sabrina the Teenage Witch is in love with someone. Right. Or and they're baking like a- pies and there's a competition. Yes. Or they'll be like a true crime, which I love. Yeah. Like it'll be like a Jody Arias or an Amanda Knox. Or like, um, or you'll get like the Gabby Douglas or like. Um, oh, I don't want to watch that. Or recreations of like. The t- the TV ones come on Lifetime, right? Like the Melrose Place, yeah, unauthorized. The Beverly we're gonna Hills. do Full House unauthorized and for sure. And I also um, we're only doing fifteen episodes of the season, just so you know. Like going into this, every movie that we do, there's a scale at the end that mm-hmm. we like are considering all these things the whole time. And um, I'm, we're gonna go through the scale, but each movie that we watch is competing to win the Tori Spelling Lifetime Lifetime Achievement Award. Okay, and um, each season of this podcast is going to have a winner and it's going to be like inducted into our Hall of Fame because I consider myself to be like somewhat of an expert on these movies. Like I am their bitch. Like apparently I had no idea. Um, so, yeah, I guess I have to be. Um, this movie had an alternate title, by the way, Freshman Fall. Uh, just want to throw that out there for you guys. Um, it's oh, pretty boring. That sounds like a. I want to watch that. It sounds like a teen book that I would have read 
in like middle school. Well, she cried no is like no good deed. Like it's yeah. like oh, tell me more. Like that is like a tell me more. Like cried freshman, no about what? Yeah, like cried. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. She cried no about literally what? And then like of course it's the one thing you would assume. I have a little fun fact for you. This is not exactly the same, but the unit production manager on this movie, his name was Ira Mar- Marvin. Okay. That's like basically, that's like your cousin kind of. Yeah. You know. What's a unit production manager? I have no idea. You're from like a theater background. I thought you would know. <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, is that not apply to Lifetime movies? I just, theater background? I just wrote plays. You didn't? Okay. And I was horrible at being a stage manager. That's really hard. That's yeah. a to- that's math. That's yeah. a different job. That's like math. I no, stage no, no. managed my college production of the Laramie Project, and I'm surprised it wasn't a disaster. I'm I'm happy for you that it wasn't because like if anyone ever handed me like the keys to the city in that sense, where like they were like, here you do all like the the behind the scenes shit, I'd it would be a disaster. Yeah, like I'm best used. For other things. Mm-hmm. What those are, time will tell. Okay, so this movie had like a super high budget, like for a lifetime movie, and that they had many, many legitimate stars. There were a lot of stars in this movie. Stars, like big time. These are like big stars of our era, like not even lifetime stars, like full blown stars. Mark Paul Gosseler. Cameron Candice Bure, she was a beret already. Did you see that? She was like literally 17, like literally uh, 17 and already a beret. Jenna Von Oy, a.k.a. Six from Blossom. Yes. Uh, Nikki Cox. Of course, I remember Jenna Von Oy the most from the Moesha spinoff, the Parkers. Right, 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 right. Actually, that was probably a better use of her. I feel like when she was six, like six was very like trampy. Like she was like <laughs> kind of a she was a little bit ahead of herself on um the Moesha show, right? Yeah. Or the Parkers. It was the Parkers. Okay. Yeah. With her and Monique. How did they how were they related to Moesha? Um, uh, so Countess Vaughn okay. um was like Moesha's yeah. friend in high school. Then she I'm went to college. In. So I'm locked in. I understand. Uh, <laughs> I'm there with you. I'm on there. <laughs> okay. If only more high school shows still did that, spun off a better character into a college show. That's the spinoff, baby. I when I worked in a network sitcom room, like anytime something good happened, like the room bit was like, "There's the spinoff." <laughs> like, it's kind of true. Yeah. Like, it's like that could be the spinoff. Like all it takes is one person with a shining moment, ba- especially back in the day. Yeah. Like Rhoda, like Rhoda's more famous to me almost than Mary. Yeah. yeah. Everyone wants to be Rhoda now. Yeah, everyone. Like, wants what did Mary do? She just argued with Lou and threw her hat in the air. Right. Retrospectively, we know the truth. So they also had a gigantic budget for music. And when we come in, it's that song counting blue cars. Like, and there. Do you guys remember that song from the '90s? What was that band called? Uh, Fastball. No, Counting Blue Cars was by Fastball. I remember their song. The way. The way. Yes. Okay. Counting Blue Cars is by. They won't even give them the. Pet. Oh, Dishwalla. Dishwalla is the name of this band. Obviously, I'm su- super embarrassed. I didn't know that off the top of my Isn't head. Isn't that a candy bar? I hope so. Maybe in like that sounds like an Australian candy bar. Like that sounds like, oh my god, my friend came back from London and they brought me a dishwalla. Like and you're like super happy after, and you can, like totally tweet it and Instagram it, and everyone's very envious. Um, 
So we see that Mark Paul Gosler is dancing with a super wasted girl in a red dress. We're gonna learn her name is Courtney. A videographer is taking a video of them. I was a videographer, so I really like related to this character. Um, he's taking video of him um, escorting this girl in the red dress upstairs and up in the room. Like he puts jams on his stereo, um, and it's like his sex mix. And we're gonna come back to this song many times throughout. Like this song is a trigger song for Candace Cameron Bure. Spoiler alert she gets raped and um which which like yeah no like literally like when did why weren't her harem pants ripped yeah there's my question like there was no oh anyway okay so um no that's a thing that happens though i feel like sex mix or rape well on tv oh i recently saw there was a rape in a tv show that i watch yes. days of our lives oh, okay. um and the character <laughs> do you watch days? i do i've watched days like nearly every day since 1999 okay i love that um, my friend ben was on it for a while oh yeah you'll know we'll talk after okay um so there was a character who was raped on Days of Our Lives, wearing skinny jeans, oh, and it's no. like you no, never, you, you never want to be. <laughs> oh <my> you never <laughs> want to be the person who says like, you know, why didn't you do something or why didn't you fight the rapist off? Which is stupid. Um, in real life it's scenarios, it's hard to have regular sex in skinny jeans right. when both with both parties consenting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. How do you rape someone in skinny jeans? That is so. It's like, oh and God. it was an instance where it wasn't drugging her. He didn't knock her out. He just like overpowers her on the couch, and she says no. And then you cut away, and it's happened. And it's just like. If someone's wearing skinny jeans, I don't see it happening. Right. No. And so her pants aren't torn, um, Candace's. And... But it counts on the rapist to know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. So anyway, Mark Paul Gosler is raping <laughs> this girl at the party. We understand this is what he does. This is his like thing that he does. Uh, I also love how they introduce his downfall right away. Oh, yeah. Because as soon as I saw him being filmed, I'm like... This is over. Oh, no, it's over. And by the way, like, there's so much future storytelling. Like, this is some on some Jetson shit where they, like, literally predicted how stories spread. This movie is the Jetsons for humans. Like, it's crazy. Like, I have notes in here about, like, this is how social progress happens. Like, because it's, it's just wild. They really do a good job in this movie, I have to say. But at the same time, it's almost very, like... I was telling Steve and our producer this before we started. Like, it's almost like procedural, and that like th some of these movies are like, I am going to explain anorexia to you. Mm -hmm. I am going to explain the act of rape to you. Like, and it's like totally like they hit the marks. They go through all the emotions that a victim would experience. Like, these movies are very, very real. But at the same time, there's no character dimension. Like in this movie, do you know one thing? about Candace Cameron Bure's character, except that she was raped and has a horrible sense in fashion. <laughs> she likes math. Like, that's, that's it. it. Oh, she likes math. That's it. She is, she's good at math, which also I think is like always a statement in writing that I'm not here for. Like, I'm like, I'm not like bewitched that she can do math. Like, that's not like, oh, like she's a girl who can do math. Like, she shouldn't be raped. Like, I, there's, I don't relate to that. Um, and it's also like, I think it's probably because I'm bad at math. Um, but I, I really do. Like, I, I, I find it troublesome. So we're looking at Mark Paul Gosler and his homies and like he has like lackeys within the frat and they are watching all the new freshmen come in. And it's weird because I guess like 
I don't know. I don't know if I was there for like the day that I lived off campus in college. Like I wasn't there for the dorms. So that's the weirdest. Well, there's so many weird things in this movie, but the idea that the fraternity Thank is you. so close to the dorm Do they that have you Greek can see at them. NYU? Um, kind of maybe, but they had Greek at my undergraduate okay. at Loyola, okay. um, oh. Chicago. Yeah. But the fraternities are off the campus you know mm -hmm. like the dorms are on the campus the fraternities are usually houses that have been purchased by the fraternity totally otherwise like miles away well the well, shit like, that goes on in fraternities wouldn't be able to go on if it was on a campus right and like that's like a tv cheat that they always do <laughs> where like frat row is literally across the street from the university um but so like they're far enough away but also in this i didn't realize like the idea, I guess I've heard that maybe like sororities are really about service. Um, but like the idea that all the frat guys were there to like volunteer to move the freshmen into their dorm or basically acting as bellhops for free. Yeah, like, it was very does weird. That, is that what happens at school no. Greek life? No. They don't like help you? No. I just was like, this is a very weird tradition. Of course, I was also, I also did not look like Candace Cameron. So That's true. No one was off, no one was picking up my bags. That's true. <laughs> um, so they're watching all these like people come up, whatever. And then this guy comes and Mark Paul Gosser's like, I'll whatever. take the blue sweater. Thank you very much. Ooh, I'll take the mom. Good call. <laughs> Good call, but I'll stick with a blue sweater. It's my sister, bro. Really? Really? Oh, she's cute. Thanks. What happened to you? We learn, like, Candace Cameron's brother is in the frat with Mark Paul Gossler, whose name is Scott. Another weird thing. What? I cannot imagine that Candace Cameron's parents moved her to college mm -hmm. and did not make her older brother help them move her right he's just chilling at college when they arrive but mike is like <laughs> 90s woke like this is the thing that you literally have to realize about mike is that he actually is kind of like his girlfriend we're gonna get to holly in a minute but holly is like if I only had a Holly in my life, like back in the day, I would have been a better person. Like yeah. all those times I suffered in my life, Holly would have like really brought me through. It's so weird revisiting what woke was in the 90s. Like it's that special brand of um, Brandon Walsh from 90210. Self-righteous prick. Yes. It's, it's, it's self-righteous white boys. No one talks about how fucking self-righteous, what a wedgie Brandon Walsh was. Like, he literally is, like, the human equivalent of a wedgie. Like, anytime anyone was having fun, he'd, like, step in and be like, no, guys, too much fun is bad. Like, he just, Brandon Walsh was horrible. Like, and he'd always have a statistic. Character. Fucking worst character. Yeah, like, I, I don't need to know you, like, weirdo politician. But also, on the character development side... What do we know about her brother except that he's in a frat? Literally nothing. That's the point is that I don't know with these movies. I think they have so many marks to hit. Like it literally <laughs> is. Like I'm looking at those like Olympic, Olympic gymnastics. Like they don't have time for any extra twirls and shit. <laughs> They're there trying to do their flips, hit their goddamn mark. They have a responsibility to carry through. Like that is definitely what I think when I watch these movies, I'm like, damn, yeah, they hit that stat. Like, just when I thought they were going to leave that stat out or that, like, beat in the grief system, like, oh, no, they hit it. Like, it's crazy. So, okay, we get to the room. And, like, I love this idea, too, because, like, people get, like, a one-dimensional 
uh, they get one thing. So mm-hmm. like Candace is good at math, and then her roommate, uh, Kelly, the redhead Nikki Cox, played by Nikki Cox. Um, I love Nikki Cox. She's your girl. I mean, I loved her in the '90s on the WB. Yeah, like what Wasn't was she, she on? on? She was on. Um, was She's she on Greg the Iron Ziring? Right. Ooh, maybe. I think that was like, I think they were either engaged or married for a while. Was she on Greg the Bunny? Probably. Let me look her up right now. Ms. Oh no, Nikki Cox. She was on Unhappily Ever After. Oh, she that was Married with Children ripoff that oh. was on the WB. Nikki, actually, this is this is wow. This is actually you're gonna die. Nikki had her own show from 2000 to 2002 called Nikki. Called Nikki. On the she, WB? Yes. I, I watched it. I okay. forgot about this. Yes. I completely forgot about this. So she was like a star. What is the like, what is the like plot of this? Like Okay, what? let's see. So the Nikki the TV series was Oh my god, Nikki and Dwight follow their dreams while Dwight's mother disapproves of Nikki and their lifestyle. So I think Nikki was like this hot girl and like she had a boyfriend and like the mom was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at this. Like a ten with a two. Like oh what my God. is this? And I remember his face too. Yeah. You know, I really thought I had passed the point where there were like missing WB shows that I didn't remember. No. Like I even remember shit like Gross Point. Okay. And Glory Days, Do which no Swan's one else remembers. Crossing? Yes. Yeah, Swan's Crossing was life, and not a lot of people remember. Starring Sarah Michelle Geller. Thank you. I sometimes feel I'm insane because like Swan's Crossing will come to me in the weirdest <laughs> ways, and I'm like, no one. If I ever said Swan's Crossing out loud to anyone, they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> so, by the way, this was not like she was on the brink in '96. She was kind of blowing up. She did. A stint on Jen Hosp. She did Sister, Sister. Then she did She Cried No. Then she did Glimmer Man. Then she went straight into a series called Pearl. Uh, Stint on Drew Carey show. She played Kristen Carey, so I'm assuming she's somehow... Oh, yeah, she was like Drew's hot relative on one episode. And then I loved the Drew Carey show. Is that like tragic? I think I loved Mimi. No, you know what? That's one of those shows that, I mean, we're not that different in age. No, but that's one of the yeah. That's one of those shows for me that I felt like I was too young to just sort of watch. Right, exactly. I would see it in syndication, and I could appreciate it that it was funny whenever I did end up having to watch an episode, just because. Yeah. Back in the nineties, you left the TV on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But. There were shows that, like, I just didn't watch. I watched Frasier as a kid. I fucking loved Frasier as a kid. I didn't, like, I couldn't, like, grasp it. I love radio, so I was always like, yes, like, I'm here for this. But then I'd be like, oh, I don't want to, like, I don't know. I don't know what it was about Frasier. I didn't hook in. Drew Carey was more like, it didn't take me till I was in college to get into news radio. Okay. But, like, I wasn't into it as a kid. Right. But, like. Conversely, I was really into Spin City as a kid. Oh, yeah, no, Spin City was like huge, huge, <laughs> huge, huge. Um, Spin City was like actually considered like kind of chic in Boston when I grew up. Like, it was, like really? Oh, yeah, I watched Spin City. Like, oh, okay. Like, it was like very like HBO almost. Like, it was like so dark. Then looking back on that, that like that was like a chic show to watch. Maybe it was just like because I'm from like uh, the rest of the country. But like, that's when I worked at C- <clears throat> when I worked in a CBS show, my like main thought 
all the time was like, no one I know watches the show I work on, but the rest of the country does. Like that is my what show was it? It was Two Broke Girls, and I was like, I watched watch Two Broke them. Girls for two seasons. Absolutely. Oh, I probably wrote on them. Okay, so then I want to say that in two thousand seven. Nikki Cox did a movie called Fugly. I have no more information than that. Actually, it's about identical twin sisters, Nikki Cox and Marissa Jarrett Wincor, and their brother. Oh, honey, and their brother Michael Rappaport. Oh, pitch in to buy one of the sisters, Cox, an extreme makeover so they can all move to Hollywood and capitalize on their good looks. So she she was clearly done with Hollywood at that point. I need to watch Fugly. <laughs> like, I need to watch this. Okay, so... I will to- never watch anything with Michael Rappaport in it because I loathe him. You except do. if True Netflix romance. were to add Boston Public. Oh. I would watch it. Oh, okay. I forget Boston Public. I mean, I remember it. That was also a chic show. That yeah. was like, oh, I'm very chic. I watch Boston Public, back Friends, in the, and Spin City. Back in the day when <laughs> people were like into David E. Kelly shows. Uh, oh, I love David E. Kelly. Like, love David E. Kelly. To this day, The Practice the is practice one of my is favorite so TV shows Babe, ever. Like, literally, <laughs> fucking up top. Thank you. That's like cathartic for me to hear that. Thank you. The Practice was such a good show. Because it was like an over-the-top law show, but it was also really dark, and it was really dramatic, and was it nonsense, like Ally McBeal. Like, I fucking love The Practice. And also, one degree from this movie, because Marla Sokoloff was on Full House, with <laughs> yeah. Candace Cameron Bure. So, wait, real quick. So, Melissa gets dropped off at college. We meet the roommate, Nikki Cox. And, like, she's like, my mom got a, um, my mom got a dormy to fix it all up so we wouldn't be too homesick. And we go to the room, which I guess is supposed to be fabulous. It's like, I, not. Like, literally, <laughs> it, it, like, took me the entire movie. Like, I was, like, kept looking at it. And I'm like, this is supposed to be, like, a dorm makeover. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I live in this dorm. But really, it was, like... Remember, like, border wallpaper in the yeah. 90s? And, like, it was, like, all blue with a border wallpaper in the middle. Weird. Like, separating the room. Don't understand it. And then, like, all blue bedding. And then the rest of the room was just, like, like a yuppie ghetto. Also, like- <laughs> all three of them have their own bedrooms. I know. Literally, one of them had a king size. Yeah. Was having sex in the king size. It was, it had to be Nikki Jennifer Cox. Illinois, right? Wasn't or, it? Well, no, Nikki Cox had the blue bed with the flounce. Oh. Thing. So was it Jenna Von Oy? I think it was Jenna Von Oy because we'll see. Okay. So okay. Mm, I keep getting ahead of myself. You guys, I don't want to spoil this movie for you. <laughs> so we meet the RA. Coincidentally, the RA is also uh, Melissa, Candace Cameron's, uh, Candace Cameron's character. Um, it's Melissa's brother's girlfriend so she's very woke too she uh, no holly is like she is my i hate to use this word spirit animal like she is i actually i can't even what's another alternate for spirit animal um because i'm so tired of that like when people say you're my spirit animal i'm like can you put a gun in my mouth like i don't should we say familiar she feels familiar to me no like you know like witches have a familiar Okay. Like, is she your talking cat? Is she your Salem? Hmm. That could be right. That could be right. She could be my talking cat. She could be my, <laughs> my Salem. That that really kind of blew my head. So <laughs> Holly, the uh, roommate, comes in, or Holly, the RA, comes in, and she's like, hey. And we get the feeling that, like, she does not take any shit. And, like, because, like, right away off the bat, Candace, they're like, oh, you know the RA already? And Melissa's like, yeah, she's my brother's girlfriend. She's like, actually, 
he's my boyfriend. And I'm like, Holly, yes. Um, <laughs> but also you have to remember like how alienating, like alienating a woman owning her sexuality or herself as a human was in the 90s. Like there was nothing worse you could do than be like, I'm here. Like I'm, I'm here. Like that was the worst thing you could do in the, in the 90s as a woman. So Nikki's like, I hope there's not a lot of loud music in the, in the dorm. And um, what's her character's name? Kelly. Kelly's like, I hope there's not a lot, a lot of ma- loud music in the in the dorm. And this brings me back to my original point. They all get one character trait. And Holly's like, let me guess, only child. And like, as an only child, I took offense to that. Because like, <laughs> these are the people I try to escape my whole life. Like, I know how to coexist with others. Like, I just want to be quiet and alone. Like, I probably actually, I probably would be bad at living in a dorm, which is why I really didn't do it. But, um... Yeah, like whatever. Are you how many are you from like a big family or something? I have one sister. Yeah, I mean I guess that's And we helps, didn't really right? live together growing up. You didn't live together? No, not for so the most part. You understand it. Yeah. Like you want to be quiet. Yeah. I understand. I, I hate I like I hated the concept of even having a roommate in college. I hated the concept of having a roommate in Los Angeles hate or it. New York. I've never like now that. I live by myself and I've never been happier it's the best it's the best i had a roommate i like lived without a roommate in la the entire time i lived here and then i got a roommate for like a year and i loved her as a person but then after like two years i was like i gotta be alone like i gotta be able to talk to myself and like look at things for way too long and have no one know what i'm doing in my life um so Here's my thing that happens after they get introduced, which may be the weirdest thing that ever happens in the movie. They go to the gym. Oh, yeah. She's like, so do we go to the gym? And I'm like, you just moved into your college dorm. You don't want to check out the campus. You don't want to go and see about your books. You don't want to like go and make some friends. You're like, let's go to the gym. Which also like, I guess, you know, working out has always existed, but I was kind of like, that feels so millennial to me. To yeah. be like, should we go to a workout class? And like, I guess that is also very eighties, but I did not like think people were so into their fitness in the nineties. Like, I was <laughs> knee deep in gluten in the nineties. Um, so Mark Paul Gossler is staring at Candace Cameron Bure as she's on like a step machine at the gym. And, um, she's on a step machine with her hick friend, Jenna Von Oy. Um, the character's name is Jordan and Jordan's like, yeah, he's the only guy I've ever hooked up with. Never done it with anyone. I know, uh, it sounds sort of retro, but, um, my sisters went way crazy and dropped out of high school. Now they're working for minimum wage. So I want to keep my eye on my goal. Carnegie Hall or bust. Good for you. I wish I had a goal. So, Her character trait, by the way, is that she plays the violin. Oh, yeah. She plays the violin and is poor. Yeah. And from a family of alcoholics or something. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all we can we can all... Su- like, the only thing we can suss out. Both of her sisters got had kids early. Also, Candace Cameron has a boyfriend, too. Kevin. Who yeah. we never see and breaks up with her in a very awkward phone conversation that they never really establish as a breakup literally i i have in my thing i wrote because okay so we should say mark paul gossler comes up to him and like you should come to this costume party anyway cut to the dorm literally the most civilized breakup between two people who are actually teenagers i've ever seen in my life like 
Candace Cameron's like, okay, I understand. And she like hangs up the phone and like, that's it. That is their breakup. Like, do you understand that? Like I, when my high school boyfriend and I would fight, like it was like bananas. Like it was like Eminem and Kim shit. Like it was wild. Like that's how teenagers break up. Like you don't like. It belies every teen drama I've ever seen. It's like crazy. That she just sits there in a casual phone conversation and the boyfriend never comes back. No. He never comes back, and she never mentions him again, ever. No, no, and also... When she gets raped, he doesn't even call her. No, exactly. Like, there's no... There's nothing. There's no, like, crossover. Like, basically, no, Kevin doesn't really come up ever again throughout the entire film. And, like, the, uh, the other thing with this, too, is that, like, she lost her V to him. And, like, that's the whole thing, is he's the only person she's ever had sex with. Like, sex is a very loaded topic for her, yeah. her feeling. Like, this is a new thing for her. Like, I would be... If the guy I lost my virginity to dumped me over the phone, like, the day I got to college, like, I would need a night. Like, I would stay in. Yeah. But Candace is like, her roommates are like, no, it's school. Like, we gotta go. So. Which makes sense why she goes out and gets drunk, but then it's like. Right. It's just nonsense. And also, like, I feel like they, I don't know, I didn't drink in high school. Did you? I did. I weirdly drank in high school. Oh, you did? Like, you like cry? So, like, I remember going to a high school party um, where there was a lot of liquor. Mm-hmm. And I had only had, like, bits, you know, like, from my mom or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I remember stealing a huge bottle of absolute vodka from the party. Good choice. Taking it home mm-hmm. and hiding it in my closet Ooh. in high school. Okay. So, I would, like come home to like do homework and watch tv mm-hmm. and i would drink vodka from my closet you just like take a sip and get like a little buzzed in your room and be like i would I'm... mix myself a cocktail oh you would okay like what was your and i kept taking bottles from parties i would go to i was afraid of cocktails because of that episode of roseanne where becky makes a screwdriver or something mm-hmm. or like and like it was literally like she got wasted off a screwdriver and i'm like it must be the juice that gets you drunk like i didn't realize it was like it's the juice with the alcohol that makes you really drunk yeah. well so like imagine me for like because that was like maybe junior year i'm hoping you so had for a martini like, shaker just for, no but in college i got one <laughs> um but just for like two years it was me <laughs> drinking a cocktail that one watching tv watching tv after work <laughs> okay i ripped a screen in after my class child's... after work called class Okay, that's yeah. That's after fine. class, As for after class, I said work. I had an after school job. <laughs> I uh, I didn't bump on that. Um, I ripped a screen in my childhood bedroom during an episode of The Osbournes. Um, I was seventeen, and I had a single a sole pack of cigarettes that I got from my friend who was like dumb and got held back three years. Like she was this girl that like wound up taking over my clique and still to this day the bane of my existence. Um. And she bought me a pack of cigarettes and I kept it in a backpack like way deep in the back of my closet. And when my mom would be out for I knew like more than four hours, I would low key smoke a cigarette in my bedroom. Like, why would I smoke it in my bedroom? Like, why wouldn't I just go outside? I think I was afraid someone would see me smoking Mm -hmm. or that I would like create a fire and then everyone would knew I smoked a cigarette. I did that senior year when I started to smoke. I would like go on a walk 
and then I would smoke a cigarette. Don't start smoking, but like, it's fun. Like when you yeah. first start. <laughs> yeah, to any any teenager fans who are listening to this, don't, don't start... smoke. <laughs> no, the darkest is like people who start at age thirty. Like it's like, what is wrong with you? Like you've made it this entire time. Like, did you need this? Are you going through a divorce? No, this is like for impressionable idiots. Like this is this is an idiot's habit. This is a young moron's habit, and then you wind up getting addicted. So, um, we go back to uh, the, we're at this party. It's a costume party. Melissa's dressed in a princess gown. Jo- poor Jordan, uh, the broke girl, is dressed as Little Red Riding Hood, and um, Candace Cameron's dressed as like vaguely a harem girl. Like it's barely a harem girl. It's like not a harem. It's girl like not even genie in a bottle. It's not. It's like it's liter- It's like kind of a crop top. Which who knew she had a belly button ring? Yeah. And that was a big revelation for me. Like seeing young Christian Candace, like with her <laughs> belly button ring, like that must have been only for her husband until it made an appearance on the screen. Um, and like Scott picks up on her right away. There's like a scene, everyone's getting drunk. There's this whole scene earlier where they're like breaking down like the order of like, and it was never really clear to me what it was. It was like, if she says she doesn't want to drink, give her a jello shot. But if she wants to drink, then give her a drink. Like it was like this very like weird journey of like an order of drink systems. Also, like understand. what world are we living in where like the girls don't know that a jello shot has liquor in it? And I also, just... like, who goes to a party and drinks punch? That I bump on that every time. Yeah. Like, every time. Like a bowl of punch, I'm just like, no. And then it's like they spike the punch like it's like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> that is such like it's like a such an old card i can't so <laughs> then we go to um they're dancing in macarena again huge music budget and this and candace cameron's like oh uh, by dance- the by the way that was very iconic for me iconic yeah the macarena yeah because this movie came out in 1996, mm-hmm. and there's been a viral video going around DNC. showing that at the DNC, Hillary Clinton and the rest of the Democrats were dancing to the Macarena. So I'm imagining that, like, in 1996, like, when did this come out in 96? Did it Dude, come out after the, Macar- the DNC? It just uh, sweeps no. America. You no, know, like, you don't even know. Like, my grandmother went to a woman's group at a Catholic church in Lexington, Massachusetts, and she came home and said to me, I learned the Macarena in my woman's group today. <laughs> like, how wild is that? That my, like, 70-year-old something at the time grandmother was learning the Macarena in a church rec room with other 70-year-old women in, like, 1996. That is wild. I think maybe Nana was on it in 1997. Like... The Macarena was definitely one of those things that, like, sweeped America. I love seeing, like, old TV things where the Macarena is in it because it reminds me of watching sitcoms in the 90s. Yes. Where a popular phrase in pop culture was happening. Yeah. And so you see it in like 10 different TV shows. Oh no, she didn't. Like, yeah. Oh no, she didn't. Like, I want to know yes. how fat the residuals are for whatever sitcom writers put Jiggy into their scripts in like 90. Absolutely right. That is so Jiggy. Yes. People still, and then like Fleek. Like, you know, like literally two years from now, like if Two and a Half Men is still on one day, John Cryer is going to be like, on Fleek. 
and like the audience will still die. Like they will still <laughs> die. And then like between commercial breaks, they'll like toss Rolos at them like circus seals. Uh, that's what they do with the sitcom audience. There are still people who make jokes. I was actually in a car with someone yesterday who referred to tweeting as like twatting or twattering oh, and i was no. like are we still doing that no you don't say twatting That's it's been so like, bethany frankel like pushes that it's Bethany's been like 10 scared. years are we still doing that we're not doing twatting anymore like literally that was old six years ago bethany frankel is like as, as someone who i consider to be an innovative interesting woman literally always 15 years behind on the slang. Like, she thinks she invented zero fucks. Like, this season, she thinks she invented zero fucks. She calls it snap twat now. And it's like, no, you can't hybrid it. Like, you can't hybrid twatter and snap twat. It's not not what we're doing here. But yes, you're exactly right. It's so offensive to my sensibilities. So, Jordan, we see Jordan get carried upstairs, Jenna Von Oy in her little Red Riding Hood uh, outfit. And Melissa's like, wait, Jordan. And um, Scott's like, she's fine. She's just going upstairs with one of our brothers. Like, she's going to lay down. She's drunk. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, "Mm, I want to go upstairs and find Jordan. So Scott brings her up to his room and then, like, proceed to, like, just, like, I don't know. It's like a whole rape scene. Like, it's a little, like, five. It's like a five-second rape scene. Uh, It's not, like. I mean, it did look violent when he held her hands down. Yeah. That was pretty violent. And then he, like, famously rips her hair on blouse. Um, so Melissa runs out of the house with her blouse ripped. Scott's like, Melissa, wait, what? Uh, so we see that he thought she was into it. Um, we so, see that- Which is my thing. Yeah. I don't know if the movie is trying to say that, like, he thought that women were into it. Because there's a difference in, like, if they were trying to get a message across to, like, guys, like, don't rape a girl, you know, right. if she says no, um, or, like, if she's drunk, like, you know, there's a difference in saying, like, she's drunk, she doesn't have the capacity to say yes, so don't have sex with her. And, like, what he did, which was literally, like, a violent rape scene. Yeah. If you see that on TV, you're like, someone's getting raped. Yeah. But his character throughout the movie just sort of seems to be, like, you were into it. Right. Except yeah. when he goes like evil and tells her like, mm. if you tell anyone, bitch. Oh, fucking. Yeah, it was like <laughs> wild. And like also you have to remember his dad is a sociopath. Like yeah. he learned from literally like uh, what's I'm, I'm blanking American psycho. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh. Patrick, my boyfriend Patrick, Patrick Bateman. Bateman. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so um, she Melissa got raped. Kelly comes back to the dorm, the red, uh, the redhead, and she's like, Melissa. She's like, Where were you? Like, you weren't in class today. Were you too wasted? And Melissa's like in her pajamas, like frumped over. And like, by the way, props to wardrobe on this because like they really did like that was a girl that wanted to have her body like covered she was hiding something she like literally took on like a skeleton not to say that she was ever ever like um an exoskeleton like she literally not to say that she was ever like a a provocative dresser she wasn't thotting it up no but she does after the rape like parade around campus wearing like a huge sweater yeah like looking like 
Missy Elliott. Yes, yeah, it's like if your girl just bag. shows up in a hoodie one day after being like years of wearing tight fitted clothes, something happened. Ask what happened. Um, and also, that's a way to hide anorexia. I just want to say that. Um, <laughs> um, so or a baby, a baby. You can hide a baby like that too. A secret. All the lifetime range can really be summed up in a girl shows up in a hoodie. So <laughs> Kelly is like, Hey, listen. Did you, by any chance, see that guy dressed like a monk last night? He was kind of looking at me, and I was wondering if maybe you'd talk to your brother about him for me. You know, you really got the best-looking guy at the party. Scott was into you. Kelly's not picking up, I guess maybe because she's an only child. She's not picking up on the fact that, like, it's the second day of college. Her One of her two roommates is didn't come home. And then the other of the two roommates is literally in like a, a lump of she's a lump of tears and pajamas. And like she's like, so could you set me up with a guy in the monk costume? Like only children aren't like that. Yeah. And they her aren't. character, of course, exists to be the you weren't raped. Devil's that advocate. could never happen yeah. to me. Mm hmm. No. She, oh, my God. She's awful. So we find out that. um Oh, so Scott walks up to her on campus at one point, and he's like, "Why did you miss calculus class today? Because we can't forget. Like, she's already in senior. She's calculus. she's in math. Yeah, and he's like, "You got the best grade on the test." And he's and she's like, "Just leave me alone." Like, <laughs> that's exactly how she says it. Like she, her delivery is incredible throughout this whole thing. And he's like, "Melissa, don't worry. I'm not going to tell anyone." So he's already gaslighting her and making her think like you did the bad thing, and I'm not going to tell anyone. Yeah. Um. So. You know, Scott, like, keeps trying to make eye contact with her in class. He's smiling at her. Like, we do some weird cut-ins here on the Letterman jacket and class ring that never really pay off. Um, Except for later. I mean, there, a there's, bit. There's, I mean, I, I kept wondering why that class ring thing kept happening at the end. And we'll get there. Hey, Mike. Mike, can I talk to you? Yeah. Uh, it's about your sister. What about her? Well, you know, the other night at the party... Well, she wanted to be alone with me, so I took her upstairs. I really don't need to hear about this. We guy. got together, Mike. But man, listen, everything's fine. I mean, she was into it. You know, I mean, but today she's acting a little bizarre. I mean, how girls are? They, they pretend like it never happened. Oh, wait a minute. I think you're telling me a little bit more than I really want to know. I, I, all right? It's only because I need a favor, man. I, I just, I just want you to tell her, you know, that I, that I really like her, and I, I just want to stay friends. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. All right. Well, see you, bro. This one's Hawaiian themed, and Scott and this like girl are talking about art, and she's like, "Hey, are you in my art class?" And he's like, "No, but I should be." And then Courtney, the girl with the red dress from the first scene, comes up to him, and she and she says to the art class girl, "She's like, go away, I'm with him." And Scott, like, basically looks at her, and he's still entertaining her. I'm actually kind of surprised at how nice he is to her. He's definitely threatening her and being like, maybe there won't be a next time if you, like, keep talking, if you keep sassing me. But he says, like, you need to go, like, hook up with Leland, like, this guy over here. And he's a house videographer. And she's like, why? And she's like, he's like, oh, he's, like, in love with you. And she's like, really? And then he goes up to Leland and is like, Courtney wants to bone you. He's like, no way. So we go to this like really civilized scene in Leland's bedroom where he's about to rape her and then he can't do it. He's like about to untie her shirt when she's passed out, which like makes me so sad because like how many other people in this frat have raped this one girl? 
Yeah. Like, if we've gone from Scott to Leland, like, what has happened in the in the in between? She's basically like the weed pipe. Like, they've passed her around. Yes. And she keeps coming back, and it's it's also such a weird contrast with her mm-hmm. and Candace. Yeah. Because like Candace gets raped, and then he really wants to see her the next day. Well, but her when he rapes her. Like, the next morning at the gym, he's already, like, moved on. Well, here's the thing, is that in this movie, we learn that if your childhood was anything less than idyllic, like, you don't know how to respond to life. Like, that's the thing, is that Candace has, like, the strength to say, like, someone raped me, that's not okay, because she has two parents, but then, like, poor Courtney's just like, my family broke up a long time ago, my dad died, and then my mom became an alcoholic, I haven't talked to her in ten years. And then Jenna Von Oy's whole thing is, like, you know, like, oh, I'm from poor people. Like, I'm a poor, hick, trash person, like, on a scholarship. And so we also haven't really talked about the fact that, like, so Jenna Vonoy never comes home that night. Never. So, like, we know that she got raped. Yeah. But They did a good job smearing her makeup when she came yeah, home, by the way. It it's good. It's never brought up until, like, later in the movie. And so much later, Candace Cameron does not even recognize <laughs> that the same thing happened to her roommate. It's like this girl comes home like hollow, like literally Jenna Von Oye, like and also like seemed like Melissa. I mean, granted, Melissa had her own shit going on throughout this entire film, but like her roommate was not there for an entire semester before she noticed. Also, like, it's like wild. it's it's also like, is this the rape frat? They clearly do this at every party, mass rapings. Mass rapings. And like, yet, it's like three girls a night minimum. And yet, <laughs> Candace Cameron's the first person to say, I was raped. Because we can only assume that all those other victims were from broken homes. <laughs> they were targeted just like the victims of Drew Peterson. So, um, we see, okay, so Melissa shows up to, oh, oh, this is great. So, Nikki Cox... Oh, no, Jenna Von Oy's character is, like, fully fucking a guy in, like, a queen-size bed in a dorm room, which has never happened. And um, Melissa hears a noise in the other room, and she goes to her desk and gets scissors, and then she runs out to the living room because she sees the shadow of a man and, like, literally just goes for the stab. Like she's That scene to... was amazing. I know, literally about to kill him. And then Jordan's like, What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, Jordan! What are you are you are you okay i'm fine melissa you could have killed him and then melissa like falls on the floor in a heap like how did none of these none of these girls were in tune with her at all like i'm like this girl was happy-go-lucky day one i mean i guess i would assume my roommate might be bipolar if that happened like happy-go-lucky day one but i would still be like girl what's good like let's call your parents or like let's be like what is going on with you yes do you have medication to take absolutely like do you have a history of this what's your life been (laughs) like do you have friends from high school still so Melissa gets to a fancy restaurant. She's there in overalls and a hoodie. And her brother's like, uh, did I leave the wrong message on your machine? This is a pre-pinning party. It's not a grunge ball. And he's like, sorry, that was rude. Uh, I like that he called himself out. Again, woke. And then he's like, are you um, really upset about Scott? He told me everything. And she's like, he did? And he's like, it's not a big deal. Everyone gets crazy their freshman year. So we learn like Mike has no like 
He hasn't really penetrated. He's an idiot. Yes, he's an idiot. But, like, also, what is he supposed to do? Like, it is true. Like, how much do you want to know about your sister fucking your friends? Yeah. You know? Um, So then Mike's girlfriend gets there. But he's also weirdly unprotective for an older brother character in a film. Absolutely. Like, he at no point is like, hey, guys, stay away from my sister. No. And like, no, it's like it's like too far gone by the time he stands up for her. So then I think this is where we learn that like Holly's like a feminist. And this is like almost a dark moment because I think a feminist can be sweet as well. But um, Candace is like, what's a pre-pinning ceremony? And Mike's like, it means I love my girlfriend with all my heart and soul. And then Holly's like, it means we're going to get committed. Someday, I guess. Like she doesn't care. She has no. She has not a care in the world. And then he is like, "Ugh, I had to fall for a hardcore romantic." Which, like, I kind of bump on because I wish that she could be sweet and optimistic and romantic. No, she has to be a bitch. She has to be a bitch. She has to be the bitch. Like that. Why? Because she's a feminist. This is like a Rush Limbaugh agenda <laughs> up in this. Like, it's like the one girl. She's oh a feminist. Oh Holly the feminazi. So um. Scott shows up to dinner with a date, rude. And Melissa's like, what the fuck, Mike? Give me your car keys. And he's like, what? Why? She's like, I want to leave. I want to leave right now. So um, she takes the car keys. When she gets in the car, this is like subtle, and I think this is what happened. The song that was on the radio was the song that she got raped to. So then she crashes Mike's car. She's at the hospital. That was actually a really good moment of yeah. subtlety. Yeah, it was that subtle. That the movie had yet to It was display. subtle. Because they will hit you like a brick with this shit in every scene. So this is like unprecedented. Like she's at the hospital and they're like, do you, she's upset, right? And the nurse is like, do you want to talk to someone? And she says, yes. That is unprecedented. Like literally any time in my life that I've been upset and someone's like, do you need to talk to someone? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like the fact that she knew to talk to someone is some like, that's some shit right there. Like I would have never, if I was at the hospital and I was upset, I would never talk to a counselor. Because she was raised by two parents. Yes. And she probably had a 80s sitcom upbringing where whenever she had a problem, her mom sat on the couch with her and gave her advice. I'm scared all the time. Scared of everything. What are you scared of? I can't concentrate. I don't eat. I don't sleep. I feel like I'm losing it. Well, what happened to make you feel this way? It was the first week of school, and... I went to this frat party, and... things got out of control. How out of control? I drank too much. I forgot I hadn't eaten. And then I went upstairs with this guy, and and he had sex with me. Did you say yes? I did not say yes. So you didn't consent? I said no. I didn't want to. But he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't listen to me. He ripped off my clothes. Melissa... Are you saying he raped you? No. I knew him. I trusted him. He was my brother's friend. Just because you knew the guy doesn't mean it wasn't rape. I was so stupid. Melissa, if you said no and he did it anyway, you were raped. 
I wrote, DJ Tanner is hitting all of her marks as the victim. She blames herself. She says she can't tell her parents because they'd be disappointed in her. Then we see Mike driving them home for Thanksgiving. He's like, do you want to talk about you and Scott? And she's like, no. Uh, and then at home, she doesn't want to talk to her family either. This is super weird. We cut back to Scott with his dad. They're playing tennis. Uh, they had just played. And um, he says to Scott, he's like, do you score at school that much? And he's like, as much as I can handle. And the dad's like, good. Just don't get too serious about anybody because girls get in the way. I'm telling you, grades and contacts, that's all that's important in this downsizing economy. Like, was he predicting the climate I graduated into? Yes. It's crazy. He's so right. Um, I, I don't really talk to anyone I went to college to, though. Uh, so Scott tells his dad to chill. He's like, I'm a lock for the dean's list. Um, Melissa. is maybe... <clears throat> The only real sort of character development in the movie. Sure. You know, we know that his father's pushed him to be driven and right. perfect and always score. And that's translated into him becoming a rapist. I mean, it's our business, right? That like literally no one cares if I even went to college, let alone graduated it. Like, yeah. or a dean's list. Like, does has anyone ever asked you where you went to college, like in a practical work setting? In the last five years. No, it's always just uppity people who went to Yale at parties. Absolutely. Like, no one, no one, no one asks about college in the real world, you guys, by the way. Um, so, Melissa just, like, she's having a nightmare about the rape. We're back from the commercial break. We come into a nightmare about the rape. Melissa, all she does is get out of her bed. Like, she just sits up in bed and the mom bursts in the door and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like... What is this house? Like, you could never secretly have sex in this house. How did they have sex as parents? Like, what's going on? If someone can literally just pop out of bed and, like, the entire household wakes up, that's pretty, like, pretty intense. Also, has she been failing her classes or something? She's failing. Because I'm just like, you've been thinking about this rape for months. From September to Thanksgiving is a long-ass time. So has she just been, like, attacking every guy that comes into her roommate's bedrooms? Has she been screaming and running every time she sees Scott on campus? I think so. I think that I think that's what we're meant to believe, or that she's just been, like, in her room, like, hiding. Like a, like a sad victim troll. So then this is so weird. Like, the mom, I wrote, the mom is shockingly responsive to finding out that she was raped. The mom was very, like, I'm so sorry, which is, like, I feel like if I, I had come home from college and said, Mom, I was raped, I would have gotten yelled at. I was waiting for the mom to be like, I, too, was raped. <gasps> you know? <laughs> that is so dark that we had such different <laughs> interpretations. I'm well, like, she was just I so calm, you, <laughs> you know? And I thought it was going to be, like... I was worried this would happen to you. I was raped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you start to kind of think that, especially towards like when you realize that the this is like an alumni, like the family's like all involved in this. Yeah, spot. because like, this they is know university. Yeah. They know each other. So I'm just like, how many rapes have like how many this, generations of rapists are in this family? This serial raping fraternity has existed on campus for decades. The fact is that this is probably closer to real life than not is like so sad to me because like as soon as you want to be like this is blown out of proportion, it's lifetime. You're like, no, this is every college all the time. Oh no, there was like an unreported serial rapist at my college. Really? 
Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, when they handle see this is the thing is they want to handle it within school administration and like they get into this and it's so 1996 rape because it's like it's a whole different language around it but it's the, still the same it's still the same climate. Like if you go into report a rape it's still the same thing as it was in 1996 where they're like think about this. Do you really want to do this word against word? And that's when we okay, we find out that That was the weirdest for me cuz the mom wants her to press charges. So she, they wake up the entire family. The entire yeah. family does a midnight conference about her being raped her first year at school. Sorry, I'm just standing because my back hurts. And she's like, yes. And the mom's like, I want her to report it. Because she says, surely things have changed by now. You know, like, we'll believe a woman when she says she's raped, implying, you know, like, the thing people used to do in the 90s all the time with, like, it's the 90s, you know? Right. Like, people we're progressive. People now. will believe you. And, yeah, I found it, like, so dark that the scene where she reports the rape to the police so could like, have been lifted from any TV show that aired with a rape today. Absolutely. Or like literally like nothing's changed. No, nothing has changed. Literally, it's the exact same thing. It's so poignant. And like the brother. OK, so the brother right away is like. Oh, Melissa's like, you don't believe me, Michael. And he's like, I believe that that's how you remember it. Now, come on. You were totally wasted that night. And then her parents are like looking at her and uh, he's like, he's like, Melissa's like, I know I had too much to drink. It was dumb. And then Michael's all, like, super incredulous, and he's like, I don't understand why Scott would rape anyone. He's the most popular guy in school. And Melissa's like, he ripped off my clothes, Michael. And the dad's like, you don't have to tell us everything, Melissa. And I'm like, she's not. Like, she just, <laughs> she just told you that, like, she got raped and, like, the guy ripped off her clothes. Like, no, duh. Like, I read between the lines. My daughter <laughs> was violated. Tell me nothing. Yes. <laughs> like you like it's like this isn't like a yes gross but like not like you have to hear these things dad ed i think his name is um so michael's just like all i'm saying is that we should just keep it in the family which i think is very in like keep it in the family is like a michael's the worst they hit that mark they hit the keep it in the family mark i will say that's where he differs from brandon walsh right because brandon would not have kept it in the family. No, Brandon would be like, this is wrong. <laughs> like, if Andrea got raped, forget it. Yeah. Michael goes <laughs> to, uh, he goes up to Scott in the front. Look, man, I don't know what happened between you and my sister, but she is completely screwed up. You should have just kept your hands off of her. <laughs> Come on, Mike, so what am I to blame because your sister's delusional? Let me tell her to get some therapy. Look, man, it is completely out of my control. Uh, Scott, she's going to the police. What are you talking about? Oh, come on, Mike, this is totally insane. Look, I'm supposed to go to jail because your sister got drunk and rewrote history. If there was any doubt in your mind, you should have just stopped. What do you think I learned the game? Huh? The trick about the dirty room? The drink tickets? Jello shooters? The game, Mike. You taught me. You taught me everything. Well, I never pushed a girl when she said no. Who are you kidding? Look, I'm not you, Scott. So Melissa sees Scott in the hall, okay? And she immediately sees him and she runs from him like... He's her rapist. And um, she chases her down the stairs through the hallways. He corners her. That scene is wild. Wow. He like sees her in the classroom 
and runs after her and not a single person on campus is like why is this guy chasing this girl like he chases her in the two rooms and in the hallway he finds her like eventually in like some weird abandoned hallway at this very populated (laughs) university stairwell where no one is at all and i think like i went to boston college i think we did have a stairwell like that in one of the buildings like there was like I don't I've never walked on this with any other person like that is definitely that stairwell and he's like basically like I'm gonna ruin your life if you go through with this because Mike is, had already told him like she's gonna press charges mm-hmm. so Melissa's telling a female detective I wrote female detective about let's the keep rape. it in the family but also let me tell my fraternity brother let me give him the heads up that he's about to get a rape charge <laughs> so he can go terrorize my sister on campus for four days so because he's he's his brother uh, so basically they're at this police station and this was very like dark for me. Uh, Melissa tells the detective about the rape and the detective is like, it's been so long that it's going to be hard to prove anything. No one saw her. She never even told anyone. Um, the detective tells her that she's probably best handling this through the school administration. And the mom's like, this isn't an honors violation. And the detective's like, I understand your frustration, but I think this rapist might get away with it. Happens all the time dark like how can you be a detective and be satisfied with that statement and like the thing is is just like the law is not on your side like as a woman yeah i mean it's a it's a super dark thing you know and like the episode is like funny it's the episode the movie is funny and overblown um but like last year you know like i was actually drugged at like a bar and it was you know it was a it was a dark situation but it's like these things happen all the time. Are you okay? Yeah, it was San Francisco, and okay. like I've I've written I've like I've written about it. Did um, you get home okay? Like, yeah. what was the journey from there? It's it's like I was at a bar and was drugged, and then woke up in someone's bed. <gasps> so, and what's weird is that like I've had conversations with other gay friends recently, actually, who've talked about like some of the same thing almost happening to them. Or sort of a similar thing. And I think there's this weird thing now where, like, because, like, a lot of people use, like, the date rape drug, like, recreationally now. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird thing where, like, people will take it at parties. Didn't John Stamos get, like, a DUI for being on the date rape drug? Yeah. You know, like, people will take it at parties or they'll give it to other people because they think it's just, like, giving someone... You know, E or like Molly. Or what is something. like tenants in the trees that bar in Silver Lake? There's that whole thing going around. Like six girls were roofied there. Yeah. This like yeah. So, you know, it was a, it was dark in the moment, but obviously I was able to laugh at this episode. Do you know if the person whose house you were in was the person that gave you the drug, or was it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I feel that at the tenants in the trees thing or whatever the place is called, I think that that's the bartenders. My That's my theory. I have mm. a strong theory that the bartenders are doing it. Anyway. Conspiracies. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Thank you for the share, as they say in AA. So uh, <laughs> uh, Kelly is like, oh, basically, um, <clears throat> uh we go back to, oh, the dean. We're talking to the dean now. And Melissa is like, she's explaining to Melissa and her mom they have two options. They can do a disciplinary hearing 
or they can basically like resolve it through mediation. And the mom's like, as if rape can be mediated. I, I, I wrote that exact quote. Down. As if rape can be mediated. <laughs> like that is so true. Like what is the, what is the scenario in which they're like, okay, so like, what? I don't even know where the conversation would begin. Like that mediator would be, like uh, on the journey of her lifetime. And that would be the case. <laughs> she would be the Marsha Clark of mediation. Like, that would be absolutely insane. So um, <clears throat> basically we find out that if she wins this trial at school, Scott will probably be expelled. And the mom is pissed. And she's like, I've been sending checks to the alumni fund, relatable for years, and they can't even keep their st- uh, female students safe. The dean is like, hey, this happened off campus at your son's fraternity. Like, part of the problem, right? So, we go to Kelly, and Kelly's, like, not about this. And she's like, I'm sorry, but don't you think that a disciplinary hearing is just a tad draconian? We talk about killing flies with a sledgehammer. Nikki Cox is the devil's advocate character. She's playing DA, so yeah. She's, she's there to not act like a human. She's yeah. like, how dare you? But this is how, like, do you remember? Like, this is how people would talk. Like, people would be trying to raise an interesting point and be like, um... Don't you think the boys are just trying to be boys? Like, that's I mean, how people talked when I grew up. I mean, it's how people talk now yeah. on the internet when I you talk I'm... about anything involving, like, Donald Trump or, like, race or misogyny. It's always like, well, don't you think? Yeah. It's like, no, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't. I actually <laughs> totally don't think that. Any part of me that does is wrong. It comes from a place of wrong. So um, then we see, oh, oh, and Kelly's like, she says, what do you expect? Maybe you shouldn't have had so much to drink. Crazy. So Melissa goes to the bathroom, and then we see this is the first time we see there's lipstick on the mirror, and someone has written, Scott Baker is a rapist in red lipstick. Uh, slut red. And uh, then we see Jordan come back to the dorm, Jenna Von Oy. Oh, wait. Is that the first time, or is it when he sees it? No, that's the second time. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so, because it's it's crazy. So, Jordan comes back to the dorm. Melissa's like, where have you been the entire semester? And she's <laughs> like, I've been staying with a guy off campus. And Melissa's like, and I guess it is pre-cell phones. So like, you weren't that connected to people back then. And so, Melissa's like, are you coming back? And Jordan's like, what's the point of making plans? Life happens. So, we find out <laughs> that, like, she's very laissez-faire all of a sudden. Like, she's just like, something happened to Jordan, this person who's going to be, like, I don't know, like uh, like what in an orchestra? What do they call them? Um, when you're in an orchestra, she said it was gonna be something. So yes, I mean she wanted to be a violinist, and now she's like, I don't know, like she seemed like she's been listening to like a lot of Liz Fair. She she's just like midterms. yeah, just like not doing college anymore. She's gonna drop the semester, which she's, happens to roommates. Yeah, um, but not it's at just Boston so ex- college, it's just but, so extreme. Yeah. And it's so weird that there's only the one scene where she seems to care that she's not there. Because I get, like, you know, she wouldn't be that in touch with her roommate. But the roommate's clothes are there. Like, you're not her at least... Her violin is like, there. You didn't, like, if you have not seen her for weeks, you're not going to call her mom and be like, hey, where's my roommate? Right. I mean, I don't know, like... They do mention at one point, like, beepers in this movie. So I'm like, okay, we're in a beepers, post-beepers world. Um, But, like, I don't know. Do people call it, like, what would they do? Like, landline to your mom? Like, 
Is that what people did in the 90s? I don't remember. I'm assuming so. I blacked out. Like, I don't remember any of this. Like, will you pen a letter to her mom being like, hey, having fun at college. Also, where's your daughter? Like a postcard from the bookstore? Like, I don't remember. Or most likely, like, who the fuck is this feminist RA? Yeah. <laughs> Where's like Holly you go to at? you go you go to Holly and you're like, hey, my Where's roommate's that? fucking gone. The RA is the one who has like her info on file. Right. It's her job. So I feel like what we basically learn is that Holly does not do her job at all. But then we go to Holly and Mike in the quad arguing, and Holly's basically like shaming the fuck out of Mike. You believe her, don't you? I don't know anymore. Look, she thinks she was raped. Scott doesn't think he did anything wrong. Oh, come on, Mike. Oh, my God. The way you guys live, it's all about who drinks the most, who scores the most. Your goal is to turn a no into a yes. Convince her she doesn't mean what she says. Look, when a woman says no, she doesn't mean maybe. Wait, it's those maybes that are tough. They shouldn't be a crime. Your sister didn't say maybe. She said no. Michael, your sister needs you more now than your fraternity brothers ever will. Oh, Michael goes to his frat brothers and they're having like a rap sesh and he's like we're under a lot of scrutiny right now when a girl says no she says no because it's like party night and he's like I don't want anyone getting raped tonight under my watch at this house tonight and he's like if there's any doubt in your mind she means no Leland asks Scott if he can be the designated driver that night and he's Leland is the house designated driver he's also he's just the house bitch like he's the person that they took to be the house bitch and Mark Balgosa replies with the darkest sentence. Please, man, the trial starts in four days. I've got the biggest reason to get ripped. Okay, you're about to be on trial for rape, and you're like, I'm going on trial for rape in four days. I need to get drunk right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, also, like, not incorrect. Like, I, like, that's not incorrect. Like, if I was on trial for rape, like, if I thought I was maybe going to be spending the rest of my days getting raped in jail till like, I got let out and could never have a job again, like, I would probably be getting drunk for sure but like i would not say like dude but, i'm not gonna be a designated driver like i gotta get drunk i'm about to go on a rape trial but not even the trial too like the School. worst that happens <laughs> that he gets expelled right it's not even real <laughs> it's not even real <laughs> you're so right none so, of it's real so then he goes into the bathroom and the best scene in the movie occurs scott barker is a rapist <laughs> baker baker right baker yes yeah. oh, scott baker is a rapist scrawled on his bathroom mirror in red lipstick and he like flips out and punches the mirror like he's and i know what you did last summer look i'm gonna tell you i've trashed a hotel room and i've still never broken a mirror like you don't break the mirror like even in your craziest state you're like oh no that's bad juju like i am not going to break the mirror like you don't break a mirror i don't care if it says you're a rapist get a tissue who like, are these people that can punch a mirror and break it i mean i guess it was like one of those like hollywood apartment mirrors kind of like it definitely by the way i think this is aria montgomery from pretty little liars house like this is a very <laughs> famous tv house like the frat house is like you've seen it in movies before it might even be an old you school. know what it actually looks like it it looks it very, looks super familiar yeah it looks like very frat row this has been in movies and by the way also i want to add this bathroom for a frat house in the 90s had like an odd um clay and teal kind of aztec theme to it and i'm like very chill but also which one of the frat brothers like updated the apartment for 
the style of 96. The frat bitch. Yeah, I he guess He probably so. painted Leland. it for them. Yeah. Leland painted it. Um, He's like, we're going to do an Aztec theme in Scott's bathroom. Um, actually, if that is Aria Montgomery's house, no wonder A is always scrawling things on mirrors <gasps> in red lipstick. Honey, do you watch Pretty Little Liars? <laughs> I'm, I did. I'm a Pretty Little Liar. I watched it all the way up until like... A was trans, and then I was like, what is this? By the way, I predicted that a year out. I was like, I'm going to tell you what. I don't know who it is, but A is trans. Like I predicted it a year out. I could not believe that I was right, because I was like, I got the outlandish one. Like This is outlandish. Like... Oh God, I couldn't believe that. Super oh, outlandish. Like like Brian De Palma wrote it. That was such a waste <laughs> of my life. And like I still watch it by the way. I'm like hooked every week. I need to get catch up later. So Kelly is like, oh, Kelly's getting ready for a party in the room. And she's like, it's thir-. Melissa's like, don't go alone to a party. And Kelly's like, I go every Thursday. Most parties don't result in rape. Which is like wrong at this college. And also Kelly's, for you, bitch. Like, are you in every bedroom? She's crazy. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, beside, I can read people's hidden agendas. I'm insightful in that way. And Melissa's like, oh, I'm not. And she goes, that's what I meant. Look, Melissa, please don't take this the wrong way, but you're getting paranoid. And Melissa's like, I'm not paranoid. And she goes, come on. She goes, this is the best line. She goes, come on, come on, Melissa. Even a non-psychology major can see that you're extremely depressed. (laughs) Even a non-psychology major can see that you're extremely depressed. Is like almost like a precursor to like Scream Queens, like the whole bit. Like I was like, I know where Ryan Murphy got that runner for like the Scream Queens (laughs) thing, like a psychology major. Genius. Oh, so before she leaves, Kelly's like, beat me if you need to. So the room phone rings, landline, and it's Scott. And he's like, stop writing about me in the bathrooms. I'm not the one who's writing about you. It's a lie. It's a lie. My life is being ruined. Good. If you don't drop this thing, I'll... You'll what? Rate me again? Like, it's so crazy. She sounds like a Disney princess terrorist. Like, it's crazy. Because it's like part songbird, part like incensed psycho. Like, it's crazy. So then Kelly gets to the party and a guy is like offering her free tattoos and piercings in his room. And Kelly's like, I'm not into self-mutilation. Thanks. And then a guy starts talking to her. I think it's the monk guy from the first night. He offers her some punch. This is again like the odd punch storyline. Like, I feel like a scene was dropped in editing. She's like, I'm not drinking. Cut to the end of the night. Also, their punch says low octane and high, high octane. octane. So I'm like, why aren't you just drinking the low octane one? It was is that yeah. is that drugs too? Like, does Leland the psychology kept drinking majors it. not know what octane means? <laughs> like, maybe they didn't get to that in psychology yet. Um, I mean, Hollywood doesn't know what octane means. <laughs> that's true. Most people do not know. Um, so, yeah. Kelly's like fucking cut to the end of the night. Kelly is like wasted and they're making on the dance floor. We can tell Kelly's wasted because her bra strap has fallen off. Um, Leland gets a video of him escorting her up to this up the stairs. And then Mike sees it happening, the brother, and he grabs Kelly and he's like, Are you okay? Do you know where you are? Do you want to be here? Like such a weird series of questions, but also the exact right series of questions to ask a rape victim. This is why this movie is fucking on point. Then um, the next morning, Kelly wakes up in her bed like fucking I felt her hangover for her. Like I was hungover like this like three weeks ago. And then also maybe ah, 
I was kind of hungover on Saturday. It was, Saturday was kind of a rough day. And I felt her hangover for her. And she's like, I have no memory of getting home last night. Um, and, and Melissa's like, Holly brought you back. And I'm like, thank you, Holly. But also, like, when was the trade-off? Like, Mike, like, just put her on the porch and was like, Holly, come pick up. I mean, there was no cell phones. Right. So, anyway. Uh, Melissa's like, Kelly's like, oh, my God, did anything happen? And Melissa's like, no, but you were on your way upstairs. Anything could have happened. Kelly's like, no, you don't do anything drunk that you wouldn't do sober. I read that somewhere. I'm almost positive. Nothing like that could ever happen to me. But also... There's the nonsense of that. It just happened to you, bitch. Mm -hmm. Like, you almost got raped. Um, You almost got raped, and now you're like, it would never happen to me. Um, But she also... Let's talk about this party. Because Holly is there, and Mike is there, and they save her. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'm just like, with the guy trying to take um, Nikki Cox upstairs, I'm like... This is where this, like, feminist bullshit, like, falls apart. I'm like, girl, you come every Thursday to a party in this home where you see girls get dragged upstairs. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, on Thursdays in college, we went to trivia. (laughs) Like, we went to trivia night. We did not go to, like, a rape, like, we didn't go to a rape house. I was going to call it a frat house. I'm, I'm in a, you understand what I'm saying. It's the house that rape built. It's the house that rape built for real. Like, literally. And it is Aria Montgomery's house. Now that I think about it, that's that same staircase. I think it's Aria Montgomery's house. How do I find that out? Was this filmed on the Warner Brothers lot? Let me find this out. Sorry, let me just spend a minute doing this. Okay. Okay, well, wait. Do you want to go through trivia really quick? Let's sure. take a trivia break. Okay. Um, Mark Paul Gossler rapes Candace Cameron in this film. In She Fought Alone, Candace Cameron's full house on-screen boyfriend, David Lipper, rapes Mark Paul's Saved by the Bell on-screen girlfriend, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh, okay. So like a little rape switch. Cool. Uh, goofs. <clears throat> Audio, visual, unsynchronized as Melissa is walking across her friend's room to confront her. The sound you hear doesn't match the footstep shown. Cool. Some continuity stuff. Uh, factual errors at the end when the information about acquaintance rape scrolls across the screen. Acquaintance is misspelled. <laughs> That is this is IMDb. Yes, that is amazing. I, this is this has been misspelled for twenty five years or however long this has been. That's crazy. So, okay, so we go to mm, Melissa has a teeny little laptop. It's like the tiniest little laptop computer in the whole world. And when she goes back to her computer after telling Kelly that she was almost raped, she has a new email, and she opens it and it says Melissa Connell is a lying bitch crazy so like this one email melissa's like i don't know if i can continue on with this she's like i if this is if this email is a sign of things to come i don't want to handle i don't want to deal with this and holly's like holly basically is just like you need to go with this uh i wrote very unsatisfying under this scene so then we go to melissa she sees Jordan waiting tables at a cafe in town, and Jordan tells her that she needs time to get her head together before she re-enrolls. Melissa's like, we were roommates. I thought I knew you. And Jordan's like, I don't care what you think. Weird, right? From Sweet Jordan of the first scene. And she says, like, she does. <laughs> I mean, is she a narcissist? Like, why I don't is know. she picking up on any of the human emotion? <laughs> Just, like, sling that hash, honey. <laughs> like, right? have fun. Do you think Jordan's this- a weed dealer? 
<laughs> Probably. She's, it just seemed like there was more going on than like this rape. Because she's she, definitely like, hooking up with the school weed dealer. Yeah, because like she moved in with this guy, and like the guy isn't the guy who raped her. Yes, and so Melissa's like, Jordan, what happened to that party? What party? The first one. Everything changed for you after. Nothing changed, okay? I discovered my roots. I like to party. I like to have fun. What's so bad about doing what everybody else is doing? What about your music? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I was really going to play in a world-class orchestra, right? Look, I'm just a hick on a scholarship, okay? So, like, this is, like, crazy because, like, I never even had a boyfriend before I came here. It's, like, off message. Like, it's off message. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're a hick on a scholarship, but you never had a boyfriend. That lines up to me. Like, you were scholarly. Like, you weren't focusing on boyfriends. And that's why you have a college scholarship. Jordan, what's going on? Uh, I would say, like, yeah, there's a flaw in this logic. Um, So, I want to play... Okay. Melissa is studying in the library. Um, Her makeup is so good in this scene. Like, it's, like, a very pretty, like like brown smoky eye and I actually was thinking to myself like I used to do a brown smoky eye and I don't do it anymore and like why don't I do that that's a good look on me and it's a good look on her my hair is blonde now so I should be doing that and this is the scene where the the warriors come out to play oh my god Yes, she is this sitting is there. So bizarre, and this like, is bizarre scene. <laughs> every frat brother circles her at this table in the library. And then- chase her out. been drinking have you <laughs> i'm not scared of you excuse me those frat guys over there are bothering me what boys like did this turn into a horror movie exactly i was wondering the same thing i'm like is she crazy please let me that not be the end of this movie that she's actually insane because like i've been really hoping for a victory here for women and this is yeah it was that was a little too much and also, like, there's so many scenes in here that didn't happen that I needed, and that scene happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so, which is, like, very lifetime-y, um, because it's, like, extra victimization, zero character development. So, um, Melissa's parents, oh, they're all going into, like, the, um, oh, 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 this is great. This is great. So they're at the gym, okay, and Melissa's working out, and she sees Kelly, and they wave hi, and then Melissa brings her Evian into the gym bathroom, and she throws out her Evian bottle, and she looks up at the mirror, and it says, Scott Baker is a rapist, Uh, and then Kelly's like, 
And then she like sees this message on the mirror and she runs out of the bathroom and she runs into Kelly, whose workout class like got out like 10 seconds prior. She's like, hey, who are you chasing? And Melissa's like, someone just like me, but I'm through running. Uh, so she had a complete turnaround right away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Seeing like, that note is like, I'm done. She saw so, it three times and she's like, there's someone else. I'm so chasing she, someone like me. So she marches into the uh, the hearing like a bad bitch. She's like, let's, let's put him, let's get him expelled. All right. Each of you will have an opportunity to tell what happened as you remember it. Remember, you are under oath. Our panel will then ask you some questions. Ms. Connell? Melissa, at what time did you arrive at the party that night? Around 8 o'clock. Did you have anything alcoholic to drink before you went to the party? No. How much alcohol did you consume at the party? I don't remember. A lot. It hit me fast because I hadn't eaten much all day. Yeah. Yeah, I, w I was buzzed. We had pre-partied a little bit and I had a couple of shots. Did you force her to drink? Absolutely not. But in all fairness, I didn't exactly try to talk her out of it either. Is this picture an accurate representation of Melissa at the party that evening? Well, pictures don't lie, do they? When he led you up to his room, what did you expect to happen? I thought he would let me lie down for a while until he found my friend for me. I always let the girl make the first move. I mean, no way would I push her into anything. Did anyone see your ripped shirt? I threw it out. If I had been ripping clothes off, someone would have noticed, right? Did you in any way coerce her to have sex? I told you. She's the one who started, I swear on my honor. I said no. But he pinned me down and ripped off my clothes. I was crying, but it didn't matter. I was like a thing to him. I didn't rape her. I would never force myself upon anyone. I mean, to me, sex is private and, and special, and it only makes sense when you care about someone. And I care about Melissa. I thought I really knew her. That's why I'm so shocked that this is happening to me. And I, I would like to kiss someone without being afraid that they're going to cry rape. And Melissa has taken that away from me. I don't think I'll ever completely trust a woman again. And if you ask me, there are two victims here. The panel will now retire to deliberate in private. We should have an answer for you later this afternoon. May I say one more thing? I care about Melissa. I hope she gets the help she needs. So um, Melissa's upset and she's like, I know the jury didn't believe me. They don't understand this. Oh, wait, there's this great scene before between the two dads. We find out that Candace Cameron's dad and Mark Paul Gossler's dad were in the same frat years ago. And like there's this whole conversation. Well, you haven't changed a bit. Who would have thought we'd end up meeting again like this, huh? Yeah. You know, back when you and I pledged. Those were the days, right? 
Yeah, those were the days. Of course, everything's different now. Yes, they are. Back when you and I ran the house, things were great. None of this politically incorrect bull. We could just be who we were. Everybody knew the rules. No blame, no excuses, no misunderstandings. I know that's what we believed. But it was never really quite that simple, was it? I hope someday we can put this behind us. I don't think that would be possible, Mark. Don't take that self-righteous tone with me, Ed. Scott did not do anything that you and I didn't do. Speak for yourself. And so I'm like, was Candace Cameron's dad raping girls in college too? Well, I think he was like, speak for yourself. Because he was like, dude, I didn't fucking rape anyone. Like, leave me out of this mess. Like, this is now affecting my daughter's life. Like, this is going to trail my my one son through the whole thing. My daughter's been raped. Like, you've destroyed my family. Uh, I really felt for him then. Because also, Ed is like a feeble man. Like, you don't look at that man and say like, okay, like, he's... He can fight for his family. Like, this man looked like he's Ed was the in. Leland of his fraternity. You're exactly And Scott's right. dad you are probably exactly treated him like that. Right. Oh, my God. You are exactly right. I didn't even put together the pieces. He looked so weak. And I was like, this is a man that has put in hard hours, a 60-hour work week for the last... 25 years only to send his daughter to college to get raped and then have to see his old bully like that's so sad <laughs> that is that is life like that's literally when i realized like we're all kind of just saving up to pay for our cancer someday it's like literally the same thing so um <clears throat> oh. oh my god that's dark it's true you know what i mean well yeah i mean um, you except just for those have- lucky few who don't get cancer i guess I guess so, but I'm Irish, so like we're all tumors in my family. I just want to like, I don't know, car bomb. I don't know. I mean, no, I think about that too. Like I'm like, how can I I go? It's like quick, painless, uh, cheap. Um, the jury comes back, and um, it wasn't unanimous, but Scott is found not guilty. And Melissa like gets up and she runs to the bathroom and she pukes, which I totally relate to. I have a nervous stomach too. And um, she sees on the bathroom mirror in lipstick, Scott Baker is a rapist. Then she pulls out her lipstick. This is crazy. This is this is like this isn't like one of the things where I was like, this is the best scene in the movie. But I'm like, this is absolutely fucking bonkers because <laughs> she scribbles on it in her own lipstick. Talk to, to me. me. Yeah. And like, I was actually more fascinated with the color of the lipstick, which I was just like, that is so you, like a sandy pink. Of course it right? is. Like this like, peach lipstick. It's like a sandy, it's like a sandy mauve. Like I wrote it, like this is so, that is Shauna. That is my mom. Like my mom is this color right here. This is, Shauna cannot get enough of this color. But um, her writing in the lipstick gives you the implication that she thinks whoever this rogue lipstick writer is, is going to return to the scene of the crime. That was, like, so confusing to me. <laughs> like, like, you scribbled this. So confusing to me. But then do you think that she comes back and, like, oh, did someone write me a note? Or 
smash the mirror in their frat house? Like, <laughs> what, was, what was the moment in the frat house? Like, how did she respond to that? It's um, like checking your Twitter mentions. Exactly. Right, Scott Baker is a rapist on mirrors all over campus. And then you go back and check to see who responded. <laughs> You're exactly right. These are the 90s Twitter mentions. You are so right. Can you imagine getting, like, what would a verified be? Like, a verified mention. Dean's List. Yes, exactly right. Oh, but also, like, they even have i forget that they have their own version of like um twitter or whatever because remember campus, everyone oh, found campus net yeah they were like <laughs> how did everyone find out like that i was raped campus net <laughs> they know you're pressing charges at boston college we had agora <laughs> the greek word for meeting place and uh <laughs> it was like a very like Agora was the shit. Like it was pre Facebook. Facebook. I was at one of the first six schools to get Facebook. Mm-hmm. Major brag. Uh, and basically, like it was the best. Like you would go through and you'd be like, "This is every fucking hot guy in my class." Like this is like you just saw. Like mm. so, we didn't have that. In, oh, you didn't. Well, I don't. I don't even know if we did because, um, I mean, if you were one of the first six, I went to school in. My freshman year started 2004. Right. So Mine was Facebook 2002. debuted for me like two, maybe three months into college. Okay. So we had we had Facebook like right away my freshman year, Loyola, which was the perfect Loyola, way to Loyola start. Loyola Wood, too. Yeah. Per- yeah. So like that was also the perfect way to start college. Mm-hmm. Like I started college with Facebook. I can't imagine. And it was like, back when people still weren't on it. No, well, like you had to have a college email address. Except for the yeah, there was no riffraff. I know, and it was it was easier. I felt like it was easier to stalk people that like you were into in college in early Facebook, like the because like cheerleader, yeah, yeah, because they. I feel like they've changed the search. Yeah, you know, like before you used to be able to search by city. Or you used to be able to search by like college, and Steven's I feel like it's nodding. I feel like it's harder to do now. Like you have to like actually know that person's name. Yeah, that is true. Actually, you could just type like also even like an interest in a first name. Yes, you might the get interest. Someone. Yeah, I, re- I remember so many times like clicking the interest on my own page and mm-hmm. seeing like who else at my college shared that interest. Oh my god, that is like such a deep cut. It's so true. And like people ask why like you're not on Facebook and I'm like I just feel like it's like the- that's like you don't stay home and watch TGIF. Like I it's not there for me anymore, dude. <laughs> the only other like sort of thing like that, I mean aside from like aim and shit right. was um Do you remember when iTunes used to be like almost a social network? Like, no. d- like when so when you were on Wi-Fi at for that. when you were at Wi-Fi, I mean when you were on Wi-Fi at college, mm-hmm. how you could see other people's libraries. No, oh. we weren't a Mac college. Like okay. most people did. Most people had PCs at BC. Okay, and like yeah. So iTunes back then used to have like when you were logged on to a Wi-Fi, you could see who else on that Wi-Fi. Actually, yes, you could yes, steal you could other see, people's, you, you music, steal people's music libraries. Yes. But actually, what people sorry. did is they would put, they would name their libraries their dorm room. Uh-huh. So then you could go and knock on people's dorms and be like, hey, I like your music. 
I'm literally so, I was so incorrect in when I said to you that I do not remember that time because I absolutely remember that time because there was some sort of, I don't know, whatever the PC extension was, whatever. I just remember literally going in and drag and dropping all of yeah. these songs and you could get, like I would go to my friend's room and you'd be like into obscure punk and I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to take these 4,500 songs. Yeah. And drop them onto my thing. Like, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I have so many, like... I pretended to be into the Beatles hardcore freshman year because this guy two floors below me had every Beatles album in his iTunes library. So I would hang out. He was cute. I mean, I feel like... I don't even remember his name. Give me, like, an essence. He was, um... He was sort of like a less muscular Tom Welling. Okay. Like a skinny Tom Welling. Who's Tom Welling? Superman from Smallville. Oh, that's attractive. Yeah. That's attractive. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I would say like the guy that was my version of that was like a dwarfed John Mayer with blue eyes. Okay. And his hair was a little bit more curly. Like very cute. Uh, he's married now. It hurts. It hurt my. I found that out via Facebook. That's probably why I'm not there anymore. Well, if I remember this person's name, I actually don't want to look him up. I think about it a lot. I'm like, Facebook is only designed to hurt our feelings. Like, it's only designed to make hurt feelings. The only person that I ever like was that much into freshman year was like this conservative closeted person who's now out and does like LGBT outreach mm-hmm. and is married. And I'm like, to a guy. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to see this. The only thing is just like, if you've ever known me, you're not allowed to get married. That's the bottom line. Like, unless you're in love with me, you're not allowed to love anybody. And so, therefore, your marriage is going to fail. And it's like this weird reverse thing. Because all these people are like married and they have their kids. But then they'll like message me on Facebook and be like, Oh my God! You're writing at MTV. I love it. That's so cool. And I'm like, makes me sad too. And I'm like, I mean, it's not that cool in LA. (laughs) Also, it's like, it's just like, it's just like, oh my, how the tables have turned. But like, they haven't, because like, I'm still envious of them too. I'm like, yeah, well. I may do this, but you get to be normal. Like, you get to just have that be enough for you. Like, you can work at a fucking regular desk job and have a stupid baby and, like, live in a dumb house with your fucking compromised dumb husband. And, like, that's enough for you and you're happy. Because the thing is, we all go home and just watch Netflix after work. But when we do it, we feel bad about it. Because we have, like, writing we're supposed to be doing. Or, like, thinking. Or, like, anything. (laughs) But for them, it's just like, oh, I'm just watching Netflix. They don't have anything else to do. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. I had a friend that used to laugh really, really hard at TV. And I'd be like, what does that feel like? Like, what does that feel like to just, like, be able to laugh without a judgment, without a second thought about how that happened, like, how the joke happened, like, how the, oh, I bet... Oh, how much does that person make a year for that joke? Oh, what level are they at? Oh, I bet that was the fucking staff writer and all these people are ferrying this shit in. Like, it just was like, it would, I, what is that like? Well, maybe it doesn't get that dark for me because I have not written on a sitcom yet. No, you don't don't have to, (laughs) but but it's just like, you know, you know how jokes are written. No, yeah. Even in high school, 
I mean, because I was into writing, you know, and like mm-hmm. I did plays Always. and like, and then I went to NYU to get like my screenwriting degree. It means that as a kid, I was always focused on like how the story was being told. That's the thing is that I don't even think I laughed as a child at sitcoms. Oh, uh, you should watch more Spin City. Well, I watched Roseanne. It's <laughs> my favorite show. Roseanne will make me laugh, but I stu- I when I find when I watch these shows, honey. Yes. But don't you study them? Does your brain fully connect to the programming at hand? Or, like, I don't think my brain ever fully connected to what I was watching on TV. I remember watching Friends and being more caught up in what must have been going on in the production than what was happening on the show. I do that for some shows, but, like, I still lose my mind in, like... Buffy like I don't think about that even though I know all of the background of it one hour is totally different I'm saying straight one hour is like that's why I love I think that you're exactly right that's why I love dramas because they can take me away with comedy I'm always thinking about the production Mm -hmm. shit I wasn't been doing that since I was a kid that's why I literally think oh my god that is bananas I think you just hit something really hard for me well Uh, I mean like Fraser said I'm listening Honey, <laughs> <laughs> that was what? cheesy, but I love it. No, I'm like loving. I'm like hit me in my core. Do you love Roseanne though? I did love Roseanne. I yeah. love Roseanne. It's my favorite. Um. Uh, okay. <gasps> this is the best. So fucking Mike goes through Leland's photos, and he's like, because Leland is like has this little side business, which I why I like Leland. He's like, I'm selling five by sevens of photos that you like from these parties that I've been taking for the entire year. You can send your grandparents a Christmas or Hanukkah. Love that they included Hanukkah. Also feel that's very 1996 because they just started acknowledging Hanukkah. Well, it is super 96 too because like you don't have that job anymore in the age of Facebook and like phones. No. Also plus like when you're in college, your grandparents are 50 now. Yeah, like you know, like they don't want to see you drunk at a party. No. These are these are honestly photos like that you show your kids later. Absolutely. Look when I was raping these girls at the rape house. I know, Grandma. I, that's the thing is like thinking. Oh my God, you're so right. What if someone like sent their grandma? Like, what if you were a nana? Picture you as a grandpa, okay? And you're a grandpa, and you get a picture of your grandson, and you're like, love it, and you put it on your refrigerator. And then you find out that picture that you've been like eyeing for the last year, being like, I love my child. I love my grandchild. Is like the night they raped someone. How do you feel about that? Horrific. Horrific. Like that is, and that's also the ways, the ways that life subtly fucks you. Where life is like, you've been looking at it in a secret image of rape for the last 365 days <laughs> and you didn't know. <laughs> and LOL jokes on you. That was the worst night of someone's life, and you've been smiling at it for two years. That is so dark. Okay. So uh, they go through the pictures, and they find a picture. Because during the trial, Mark, or Mark Paul Gossler had said, like, pictures don't lie. And I actually felt a sympathy pang. This is me. So I'm so sick. I felt a sympathy pang for both Casey Anthony and Jody Arias, because I was like, 
you cannot use party pictures against someone. Like, that is a split second in time. Like, she was doing the Macarena on a speaker. That does not mean she should have gotten raped. Like, that is so dark. And that's, like, when throughout the whole Casey Anthony trial, where they're like, look, she's in a halter top. It's like, that doesn't matter that she's in a halter top. What matters is, is that there's significant evidence she murdered her child outside of this picture of her being a whore. Like, that is, like, it's so crazy. Um, but yeah, so like we see Melissa's like ripped blouse and like, by the way, I thought Jodi Arias in her Lifetime movie, I thought her lingerie was offensive. Like Candace Cameron Bure was in a great, great grandma bra. Like yeah. it wasn't like a grandma bra. It wasn't, it was just, it was like, it was a, it wasn't a bralette. It was like a shield. It was an armor. It was an armor of sorts. A white, a stark white lace. Not lace, but it had like a lace overlay. It was. It was just a. It was a bad thick bra. It was not. Also, her harem pants are not torn. Also, her harem pants are not torn. I'm going to say if they're if you're going to make like that is well, they got Candace Cameron Bure, super Christian, and she's going to be portrayed as a girl who has had sex before marriage. And then been raped after partying. Like, how are they going to display rape on her? And they're like, not torn harem pants, gigantic bra that could serve as the top itself, and like a ripped, ugly blouse. <laughs> like, that is honestly the biggest offense in the scene of her running out was the blouse. So, and actually the pants, even. I couldn't believe the pants. Also, her running past, like, she was horrified in that scene. And I love that, like, Leland just took a photo of it and thought nothing of it until her brother sees it months later. Yeah, like, Leland, like, not not. And in the other details, people had to friend. have flipped through it when they were looking through the photos that they wanted for that party. You're exactly right, because like in the center, like in the center of the frame is a couple, and then in the background is a rape victim <laughs> just running through. Can you imagine if someone's like wedding photos are fully up at their house and they're so narcissistic they never got past the fact that they're in a wedding dress and a tux in the middle of the picture and in the background is a girl being raped? That's wild. Okay, so um <clears throat> oh oh this is great. So then they're like, Mike, we heard it's like your last night at the frat. You're gonna oh, wait. Move this out. is after Mike punches out Scott. Yeah, oh, oh. He's like, you raped her, you son of a bitch. You're just a sorry loser, Connell. You raped her. Just you're say totally, it. You're just as mental as your sister. You were scum, you know that, man? I gave your sister exactly what she wanted, man. She begged for it. Oh, God, let me go. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on. Can, we, can we chop and screw this line? It's literally crazy. He goes, what does he say? He goes, uh, you got my nose. Oh, God, <laughs> he punches him in the face. He goes, uh, got my nose. It's so crazy. I wrote it down. Uh, it's like the most ridiculous thing ever. So then, oh, this is. This so is he's beat up the frat, the like head of the frat for raping his sister. Yes. And he hates everyone in the frat for covering it up. Yes. And yet he still. Well, wait, just one second. <laughs> he does my. My favorite slash least favorite rape cliche, which is like, I want to wish rape upon the rapist. So he's like, I hope you wind up in jail and you find out what rape is like firsthand. Which <laughs> I always find super dark. 
Because you know, like you don't even have to say it out loud. He's going to get raped in jail. Mark Mark Paul Gossler as a rapist in jail, totally going to get raped in jail. Why even say it out loud? It's a dark reality. You don't wish that upon people. That is very dark. So you're right. So Leland's like, are you deactivating? And he's like, yes. And then they throw him. Like a going away night. And it's like a huge party. It's like basically just Mike in a chair binge drinking while everyone watches. Which I would have been like, way to bury the lead. Like, duh. Like, slash not. Like, I like, like what just, kind of House of Cards shit? Is that what happens on House of Cards? I just feel so, like, Machiavellian. It's, it's like, it's, it's like, why is he sitting there doing this? And why do we need to see, why do we need to see him get so drunk that the brothers then leave him on the doorstep for his sister and his girlfriend to find him. Like, the movie's not about him being terrorized. They literally drop Mike off <laughs> in a like in a blanket that's from the 90s. Like, I know this blanket. It exists on every... It's like the Target blanket of the 90s. And it's like this blue blanket, and they drop him off in a full sheet. Like, he's been... It's like a dead body. And... Why I one thing I've noticed in all these lifetime movies consistently, consistently, is that they need to show the same thing that happened to the woman on a man so it can really hit everyone. So like in starving in suburbia, like the sister's completely anorexic and almost dies, but that doesn't hit home. No, no, no. It's when the anorexic like we find an anorexic brother has to die, and then everyone's like, oh. He's anorexic. Like, that's sad. Eating disorders are sad. Now that we've lost the man, it's sad. So Mike least, almost dies. At, at least, like, I don't know, abortion movies don't have to do that. But it's, There's no way the guy can get an abortion. I mean, are they attempting to equate, like... Him being drunk and dropped on the pavement with her getting raped, it felt like it was... Exactly, because his thing was like peer pressure where they were like, come on, keep going. He's like, I can handle it. And it's like, Mike, you can't handle it. It's okay. Like, whatever. And they were doing like, they were calling beer bongs. What were they calling them? Like, booze. They were calling them like. Booze claps? I don't something know. Something like, it was really weird. It was like beer bong, but like a very lateral thing. And I literally like, just watched this this morning. I don't know. I don't remember. But. And. And uh, I've wa- I watched it three times in the last 24 hours, and I don't remember, so you're cool. But, like, they drop him off, and it's like, there's not even a point where he's like, no, I don't want to drink anymore, and they, like, manhandle him and force him to drink. Like, he does it all on his own. Yeah, the whole time he is, like, consenting, 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 which is the exact opposite of rape, so therefore does not prove the point. But, like, I guess it's just that... I guess if, if we're not supposed to assume that these points are equal, we're supposed to... Like, assume that these guys are just monsters. They're the suicide squad of of frats. I loved Margot Robbie in that movie. Did you see it yet? Yeah. Do you love her? I love her. Watching Suicide Squad was a lot like... I was, like, very tuned. ...being attacked by the brothers... It was a lot in, like in the, the cap oh, of in, pie in, brothers. In, in, in the Mark way. In there the Mark way. Cap of pie yeah, in the in the Mark way, not in the rape way. It was not like getting raped. Um, Mark Paul Gossler? No, Wait. the like the brother's name was Mike. Mike, oh, Mike. Mike. yes. Michael, Michael. It's like getting is like getting, you know, harassed in the Mike way. 
oh, yeah, and I left totally, for dead. I paid, That's what Suicide Squad's like. Yeah, was, like literally your own suicide. I paid $28 to see that movie opening night. $28 for a movie ticket. 1996, I was paying six fifty. <sighs> like that is really, that's a harsh bite. Damn. $28 for a goddamn movie ticket. So I was wondering if the car that was blasting music when they dropped Mike off outside of the house was the rape song, by the way. Maybe. Was that like a third callback, maybe? I don't know. Rule of three is. So um, Melissa, oh, oh, this is great. So for some reason, Mike wakes up from being alcohol poisoned in the hospital. And the first thing he wants to talk about is like Melissa's rape. And Melissa's like, I need to talk to someone face to face. I want to talk to Scott. So she decides she's like going to take all the footage from Leland and she's going to can like deal. Like she's going to do something with that. But then separately from that, she's going to confront Scott face to face and have like an eye to eye with him. So you all set for 12 o'clock Saturday? Almost. But I have to talk to Scott first. This is a joke, right? Remember when this started, you said I was after revenge? Yeah. Well, I need to know that I'm not. That I'm doing this because there's no other way. He deserves it, Melissa. But I need to look him in his eyes. If he gets it, if he really changed, I have to let him walk. Melissa, you were being way too fair. I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for me. Every time I turn a corner, I hear his footsteps. I need to know I'll be okay. She's I don't like, bitch, what makes you think that he changed? Your brother mm-hmm. just punched him and he had his cronies get your brother near alcohol poisoning. Because she's DJ and she was used to people cleaning up serious life offenses within a 20 minute spree. Like, this she is, true. is DJ Tanner. That is, I feel like that was her inner DJ. And In like, like 80s, 90s sitcoms, the teen rapist has to realize what they've done and the weight of it by the end of the episode. Absolutely. There needs to be a teaching moment. And then the teen rapist is reformed. Maybe we do a check-in six episodes later, but most likely not. So got cut for time. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, so this is great. So luckily it's always a friend of the main character who gets raped in those sitcoms. And then you never have to see the rape victim again and think about what they're going through. Never again. That's so SVU. They like immediately (laughs) usher the rape victim out the door and you don't have to deal with their face throughout the entire rest of of your life. Think about how many characters have been raped on like 80s and 90s teen sitcoms and then you never see them like in the prom episodes or at graduation it's like they only existed to get raped in high school absolutely or even like on those shows where it's like okay it's um it's uh it's a rape ass episode of svu like that would be like you deal with the rape victim for the first five minutes you never see her again like then it becomes about some pedophile whatever guest star is here to chew all the scenery dean kane is here to like (laughs) fucking murder my soul (laughs) dean kane is always here to murder my soul one of the saddest things that he's a republican is that he's a nut 
Thank Dean you. Dean Kane's crazy as fuck. Thank you, Ira. Like, literally, I deal with this on a day-to-day basis. Dean Kane, Dixie Carter, my two favorites, my DCs, they are both fucking staunch Republicans. And it's disgusting. Like, I cannot align with their beliefs. And it's, like, really painful for me. Thank you. Dean Kane is at least, I feel like, crazier than her. Well, she's dead. But Ripley's, believe well, yeah, it or so not, is, dead. like, such a, so. like, such what is he doing on the day to day? I don't know. Like, clear, not even important enough to be at the DNC, at the RNC. So right. maybe he's anti-Trump. Well, where's my, where are my Afflex and my, and where are my Afflex and my Damons right now for I, Hillary? I need to see if Dean Kane is tweeting about Donald Trump. Okay, let's see about this. Um, I'm at real Dean back. Kane on Twitter. Um. He. I believed everything on Ripley's Believe It or Not. I believed literally everything. That's why I love that show, man. Like, I do believe it. I believe it. So, he's not. All I see is tweets about how good the movie 13 Hours by Michael Bay is. Of course. Which, um. Is he married? Dean Can Kane. I be his uh, kid's stepmom? I think he's married. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, he probably cheats on her, though. Why am I saying that? Wow. <laughs> I do not I, I do that? not agree Why that Dean Kane probably no, he's cheats. probably not cheating. Why would I say, like, literally as it left my mouth, I'm like, you are the devil. Don't, like, why would you say that out loud? What is wrong with you? Don't sue me, that Dean Kane. That is a Kane. devil's thought. That is a truly, <laughs> Dean, I'm so sorry. Um, I am possessed. Wow. What? Um, is, he going, is he like Ivanka for Vice? Okay, so he retweets memes about like Hillary and Scandal. Oh, yeah. And like Debbie Wasserman, Crippy which I mean, Hillary. like, I mean, Debbie Wasserman's trash, but he doesn't have anything like Crooked Hillary written. He, um, he retweeted something dumb that Giuliani tweeted, like, they don't ask if you're black or white. They just come to save you about the police. Yeah, I'm so um, sure. And also, can I just say really quickly, I would rather <sighs> Dean Cain be our president than Donald Trump. I mean, same. I think Dean Cain is, first of all, I would love I'd to rather, look at that. Hello. I'd rather Gina Davis from that president tv show she was on be our I just president rather gina davis like literally rather gina davis whatever the end of that for sentence everything. is she's my favorite i wish gina davis had directed suicide squad you know like gina davis it's like she her number one fun fact is mensa member like that she's in mensa like gina davis and mensa go in the same sentence for me so anyway we're gonna play okay. the audio we have some audio we need to play oh wait you want to say so so here's the thing. Dean Kane is very Republican, and he sometimes will retweet other Republicans and memes about Hillary Clinton, but I'm looking far back into um his tweets and he tweets nothing about Donald Trump. I feel like Dean is like chic and sensitive. Oh my God, I'm so disgusting. Literally, like, what is coming out of my mouth? Like, literally, stop this garbage. Dean Kane is chic, say la vie. I think he's chic, say la vie. <laughs> c'est bon, c'est bon. Uh, like, <laughs> I think that he is just 
I think he's like probably like um, Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz type where he's disgusted by Donald and he's going to help reform the Republican Party. True. Probably not as evil as Marco Rubio. Probably not as evil, but he also was like a young original Superman. True. Was that show called Young Superman? No, it was the uh, the Adventures of Lois and Clark. Oh, the Adventures of Lois and Clark. Why With Terry you... Hatcher. Was there a show called Young Superman? No, that was Smallville. With Tom Welling. Was there a show called Young Something in the 90s with a superhero in the title? I love how we've talked about two Supermen, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, we've already <laughs> touched on two. Uh, there was Young Hercules. That's what I'm thinking of. That's Starring exactly Ryan Gosling. That's exactly. Oh. Which is on Hulu. That's exactly right. That's, That's exactly Steve. right. That's exactly right. Okay. That's <laughs> that show was exactly iconic, right. by the way. It and I iconic. watched it alongside Buffy in like 97. It's so good. It's so good. I, I will say, okay, my ex will probably be mad if he hears this. But like, okay, I know that if you have to watch a documentary called Billy the Kid. And a huge fan of that documentary is Ryan Gosling. And I know that Ryan Gosling got in touch with Billy, like, and wanted to have a conversation with him because he's like the subject of this documentary and so interesting. And Billy only knew Ryan Gosling. This is in like 2012. He only knew of him as Young Hercules. Oh my god! Amazing, really? right? That's why you need to watch Billy the Kid. He only knew of Ryan. He's like, oh, Young Hercules. That's the only way he knew of him. I mean, I feel like everyone loves Ryan Gosling um, because of, you know. Drive. Drive and shit. No, but, notebook. But, and the notebook. I but never my that. love for Ryan Gosling started in the 90s with Young Hercules and Breaker High. Breaker High is a good callback. The show where they all went to school on a boat. Yeah, that Breaker High is a really good callback. That's very, like, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. Like, truly humbled. A guy comes into the common room. A bunch of people are watching TV. This happened when I was in college. There'd be a TV with a common, a common room with a TV, and, like, people would be watching the game on it. People, people watch soaps on it, too. Not at my school. Like, mm. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like, people would, like, not engage, and then they'd just be getting drunk in their rooms, so they were, like, rich and did whatever. They were, like, I don't know what I was doing. Like, getting Straight stoned. guys on my floor of my dorm, we watched the OC in our common room every Thursday night. Was it ironic already? No. It was, like, season, it was season two. That's amazing. So we still liked it. My freshman year, I was very into Joe Millionaire, and like, Joe Millionaire was hot. It, it was like Joe Millionaire was so like, how do I get that actually? Do you think I find Joe Millionaire online? Probably. I want to watch that right now. He, um, uh, it was a good show. It was a really good. Wait, he um, what? What happened to him? No, do you know I, any I, facts? I don't know. I mean, he's probably dead. No, literally, like one of those women. One of those women probably killed him. Speaking of dead, <laughs> did you see on People dot com today that guy that both his wife and his mistress left obituaries for him back to back in a newspaper? Is he dead? Yeah, his oh. his girlfriend's name was Princess Hall, and like she, it was it was amazing. That like, sounds his, like a Carrie Underwood song. I will send this to you. It's amazing. His wife and his mistress left back to back 
obituaries with the exact same picture of this man. The newspaper and his mistress. Like that's a song. Like it sounds like Carrie Underwood. The mistress listed his child and siblings, but the wife did not. So I'm thinking that this wife, like, I don't know what her deal was. Not to be a Kelly type, but like, come on, get your shit together. (laughs) So a bunch of people are watching TV in the common room. And this video of Scott comes on TV. This is what Candace Cameron, who is also really good at calculus. Like, she's also really, really good at inventing the viral video. She's video editing, like... This is some shit. Like, this is what I imagine David Cross has in his apartment, like, in an old box somewhere. Like, and he was watching this in 92. This is, like, an influencer for Mr. Show. And, like, back in the day. Like, this is wild. If this video existed on cable access, like, public college TV, this is wild. I mean, to me, sex is great. The college private and, and special. You're wearing beer goggles at a quarter to four. And the only hag left is a butt-ugly beast. I respect women. Maybe too much. You're talking <clears throat> total beast. Dirty. Kind of put women on a pedestal. <laughs> Maybe. If face and butt average two. Wrong. <laughs> She's a minus five. I would never force myself upon anyone. But a manly man must still make his move. How? By turning on the lights. <laughs> Why? Because they're all the same in the dark. <laughs> Cap up high. (laughs) And it only makes sense when you care about someone. Man, it was like doing it with a pig. Man, did she have a fat ass. (laughs) And then in the middle of the video, Jordan gets a phone call. And she turns on the video. And like, by the way, the video was a clip of Jordan being carried up the stairs while she's passed out. So that was wild to me. I get that she wanted to expose Scott as a rapist. But you. you also show your roommate's rape happening on this video without her consent thank you thank you i'm like you're outing her as a victim that's so (laughs) fucked like this is fucked like use your own damn harem pants you have your own (laughs) harem pants situation like you have enough evidence stacked against without like literally at least give a little blurry mark like i understand that was probably hard editing in the 90s to like put a blurry mark over someone's face consistently but like why they did it in unsolved mysteries but like for you know Candace Cameron, like, she invented the viral video. Okay, she, yeah, you're so, right. So she knows about that. Also, I love how the end of the video has Leland holding up the photo. So they clearly didn't have the technology to like superimpose a photo. I know, and like they're like, and now we we're here live with Leland, and he is like, and as you can see here, she didn't even know she was in the frame. She thought she was just sneaking off. Like, it was just, like, really, like, it's very dateline-y. It's super hot. And there's also, like, a bunch of, like, uh, like that, like, it's almost like a record scratchy moment to it where they're, like, she's trying, she was trying to make it exciting or something. And I'm, like, are you trying to captivate people's attention or what is it? This video was so, first of all, it was probably about six minutes, a little long for a viral vid. But, like, back in the day, you take what you can get, campus net, whatever. But, like, it's just, like, there were so many techniques she did in this that I really was, like... So, here's my thing. I think, like, she goes on to create, like, BuzzFeed or something. Right. And I, I feel With like I feel like all the actors in this movie, none of them are doing shit right now. So, I need Lifetime. They already did that 
James Franco reboot of Mother May I Sleep with Danger. Where is the She Cast Cried No sequel? Cried no! Yes. Thank you. I Where wrote, is I think we should write She this. Runs Like a BuzzFeed? Let's talk about And we find out that Mark Paul Gossler, like, did he repent or like does he let his or maybe his son raped someone at college and he's torn about it. Let's do a And where... Candace Cameron has to like report about it because like if she's running like a BuzzFeed, they're writing articles about this rape on campus and she realizes that the rapist is the right, son of the man who up. raped her. Oh my God, this is amazing. So let's do a where are they now with all the characters of this. Cool. I think Kelly's married. Nikki Cox. And Kelly's married to like a really high powered guy. She kind of like flushed her psychology degree down the toilet. He cheats she reminds on her, me of like, oh, he totally cheats on her. It's like very Real Housewives of Dallas. Kelly's life is Real Housewives of Dallas. Like she's kept, she loves it though, it, because an only child would. And like that is, that's Kelly. And then I want, Leland is probably like, he's like the nerd in uh, Romeo and Michelle's to me. Like he's probably running like Getty Images. Leland started Getty Images. Yeah. And then Can do you think Candace Cameron's character is married to Leland? Leland probably actually ends up raping someone. You think so? Yeah. Like Tom from MySpace. I didn't I don't know if Tom from MySpace raped anyone, but like almost like that. Like like you're very early generation. Yeah. Like you probably have done scandalous things. Yeah. Did um, Tom from MySpace rape anyone? I don't know. Who hasn't raped someone of those people? They're rich and white. They've probably done it. Uh-huh. Wait, what is going on with Snapchat, by the way? Because, like, I love Snappy, but, like, didn't it all start with a sexual assault? Snapchat? Yeah. I don't know. It's like there was some internal scandal where some girl got, like, fired, and then she sued them. It was, like, a whole thing. Possibly. Are you just trying to be, like, polite to Snapchat? Do you have, like, an internal agenda? No, I don't owe anything to Snapchat. I am not getting Snapchat kickbacks. Honey, stop protecting Snapchat, Ira. Ira, you're protecting, you're totally protecting them. So fucked. Okay, so this video is this clip of Jordan's. Really, really dark. The guys are watching the video in the frat house. Scott sees it, and he's like, I'm fucked. Okay, and he turns off the TV, and he's like, I haven't done anything the rest of you guys have done, which is not true. Then Scott goes to class, and the entire classroom moves to the other side of the room, so he's isolated, alone, and then he just walks out of class. Cool. And that's the end for him. That's his end. Like, that is, like, literally, that is a white boy's quitting point. You're exactly right. I was ostracized for two fucking seconds of my life, where, as poor Candace Cameron Bure's on the other side doing advanced calculus. Getting emails from like, her rapist. fuck you, bitch. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and she's doing advanced calculus, like, suffering on her midterm. And they're like, oh, your life is going to ride. Like, he is ostracized for two seconds in a classroom, and he's like, his whole life is fucked. You're exactly right. Shit. And then we find out that the fraternity's been disbanded did because yep. they were caught drinking on camera yep. not because of the rampant rape yep yep nope it's all because because <laughs> no this is like also a precursor jordan's like or michael's like they're shutting down our fraternity and melissa's like but everyone does it and mike's like not on camera and then they high five and it's like damn like that's gonna be our whole life like jetsons this is when we get into jetson shit where i'm like Dude, how did you know what our media climate but was? Everyone like? does it on camera now. I mean, that's what, exactly right. Like, who else? Okay, I want to find out who the writer of She Cried No. What else did she write? 
Because, like, I bet she wrote some good ones. It's Kathleen Rowell. Is what if she name. switched to romance and wrote something called, like, <clears throat> she moaned yes? Honey. <laughs> so she wrote The Outsiders, The Joy of Sex. See? She says she's innocent. <laughs> Tainted blood. Hear no evil. She led two lives. Vanished. Her last chance. Malibu Shores. She cried no. Like, yeah, exactly right. She Something happened. This writer took a turn. She has had it. Where is that she coming out? She has had it. Like, she, literally. She, she, he, her. Like, all of Kathleen, her movies. Yes. And, and like, so and then after that, it's she cried no. And then it's what kind of mother are you? Friends to the end. Born into exiles. Killing Mr. Griffin. The spring video voyeur. The Susan Wilson story. Wait, killing Mr. Griffin was lit. You saw that? I love killing Mr. Griffin. Home Over on. 20 years, this woman has had a wild transition. Truly wild transition. Yes. Killing Mr. Griffin is great. It is. Ooh. Um, there's a hot guy in this. Who Let's is see. this guy? It was Mario Lopez was in Killing Mr. Griffin. No, I'm looking at this other guy. Oh, he looks like skinny and pale and stupid. Okay. Scott Bairstow? Yeah, Scott Bairstow, Mario Lopez, and Amy Jo Johnson Amy jo are Johnson. in Killing Mr. Griffin. Ranger. It was the TV movie in 97. Yes. It was based on the Lois um, Duncan novel um, called Killing Mr. Griffin. Which two years later was made into an actual movie teaching Mrs. Tingle. I know exactly what you're talking about. This is very good. And by the way, uh, Amy Jo Johnson, don't ever fucking underestimate her, honey. Like, she's had a career. Look at her. Nine lives on this one. Teaching Mrs. Tingle was trash, by the way. She did Flashpoint, something called Flashpoint. She did Felicity. Yeah. After being a um, Power Ranger. Did you watch Felicity? Love Felicity. Except well, you remember Amy Jo Johnson is raped in Felicity. Yeah, they all are. And there's <laughs> that dramatic scene where her rapist gets confronted in the lunchroom. Not to compare knowing Felicity to being raped, but like I think uh, Felicity held everyone at her hands. Like Felicity was a narcissist, a really dark person, a really oh, yeah. truly dark Mentally dark person. Everyone who knew Felicity had their lives fucked up. Yeah, like literally she saw you once in high school and followed you to fucking college and fucking made your life a mess. Felicity was a disaster uh, as a human. I have very opposite thoughts from this for most people. Most people are like, oh, she's delightful. I personally view her as a for real serial killer. Also, um, bringing it back, Amy Jo Johnson mm-hmm. was in Spin City. No. She was in one episode in 2002. Oh, honey, what was her... What was her... Stephanie. Stephanie. In Sex, Lies, and Video Date. That sounds like a good... Let's see who wrote Sex, Lies, and Video Date. Uh, oh. Gary Goldberg. Oh, and also... Wait. Michelle Nader, my friend. I worked with her on Two Broke Girls. Bring it all fucking back. This episode that Amy Jo Johnson was in. You was wrote my... with a Spin City writer? Yes. I wrote oh with, God. I think... Two of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One day I'm going to have my Spin City podcast. Honey, I would love that. <laughs> and you can even just call it Spin City. Like, you don't even have to rename your podcast. It'd be cute. Like, Spin City is the perfect name for your podcast about Spin City. Um, but yeah, so, okay. Oh, this is great. 
So the guys are all watching the video in the frat house. Scott's like freaking out. Kelly turns to Melissa and apologizes. She's like, Melissa, I'm so sorry. I don't even know what to tell you now that she's been confronted with the video evidence, which like I wrote, this movie is a decent mirror of how social change actually works because that's it. Like you show someone the video you disarm them. Like, it's crazy. Like, that is how it works. That's Unless like, oh, they're a Trump every- supporter. Uh, absolutely. Well, they'll all come around. My hairdresser the other day told me that she's not voting for anyone. And I was like, I'm satisfied with that result because it seems like you don't know what you're talking about. And, like, I'm satisfied with you just staying home. Because and we're in you California. could go either way. You could go, yes. So please stay home. So she could, she could vote for Marvin the Martian if she wants. Honey, California's right not going to matter. The writing candidate, Marvin the Martian, totally wins. Um, we're almost there. So Jordan breaks down and was like, "Oh, oh." So Melissa hears violin in her bed in the room next door, and like fucking Jordan, Jordan is back, baby. That's what I read in the notes. <laughs> Jordan breaks down and says, "I thought if I pretended." That it was no big deal, it would just go away. But it didn't. What went away was me. I forgot who I was and why I came here. I lost my scholarship. I lost everything. You can get it back. I'm going to reapply for the spring semester. Maybe I'll qualify for, for student aid. Good. Because I wouldn't want to get used to a new roommate. <laughs> Do you need a ride? Then we see Cabapai being dismantled. Title card comes up. It says, acquaintance rape is the most prevalent form of violence in our nation's college campuses. Most college women who are raped are victimized during their freshman year. Then another title card comes up and it says, colleges can reduce the incidence of rape among students by educating them about circumstances in which rapes may commonly occur and taking action when these incidents are reported. Like, is this for all the college deans out there who are watching this movie? I don't know. Do something (laughs) about the rape houses off campus. And then it says, uh, oh, I noticed in the titles, uh, there was one of the titles was Dorm Rat, and it was played by a girl named Rainbow Borden, who I want to look up right now and see what Rainbow Borden's up to, because like, Rainbow, are you hiring? Uh, Let's see what Rainbow Borden is. Is she like a descendant of Lizzie? Rainbow Borden. Did she kill her parents? Is a man. Oh. Woo. Did not expect that. Rainbow Borden has had an illustrious career. Actually, he's probably like perfect. You know what? Actually, this is the this is the monk that almost raped what's her face at the party. That almost raped Kelly. Oh. Rainbow Borden. Maybe. I don't know. I can see why he doesn't have a lot of work. I mean, what kind of name is Rainbow? I don't know. He was in Prison Break in 2009. Maybe he'll be in the new Prison Break. What's the new Prison Break? You know, they rebooted Prison Break. I don't even know what it was in 2009. It was like two brothers break out of prison. It was on Fox. Is it good? Yeah. Should I watch it? 
Oh, actually, I know exactly what that was. I was just like partying a lot back then. I didn't watch TV. I didn't oh. watch TV for like six years because it was too much emotional stuff for me. He was on NYPD Blue. My he, he played three different characters over the course of... Of course he did. Like seven years. <laughs> oh, Rainbow Borton. Of course he did. Um, I love how many ties there are back in. The- I literally worked with someone who wrote the Spin City episode that Amy Jo Johnson was on, which I don't know how that connected to this movie again. Because she was raped on Felicity. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> that's absolutely right. So are there any other things you want to say? Anything that was in your notes? <laughs> no, I think we covered it. Where's the, um, the ranking? We're going to do it right now. Okay, cool. Okay. So... Number one is the most like a real movie, like one that you're like, yeah, that's an Oscar winning movie. Like that is Angelina Jolie and Girl Interrupted. Okay. And then five is like, I guess, Tori Spelling and anything ever. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. So five is five is the worst. One is the best. Most lifetimey, least lifetimey. Um. Acting. Well, it's super lifetimey. Very lifetimey. Um, Candace really brings it in this as yeah. she carries this. Yeah. No one's a real character. So it's very Tory Spelling. It's probably like, this is like a five. This I is iconic. I would give an actual five. This is, I, I this is this like, is an actual this five. This is iconic lifetime. This is a rip, very, very good. And like, I'm so excited we did this because by the way, like the one to be right now, it's between... Drew Peterson, Untouchable, and I believe the Jodi Arias Dirty Little Secret movie. Oh, this is so much better. Okay, underreactions, meaning that like something happened that was fucking insane, and they had a very strange, dumb underreaction to it. Um, the whole movie was kind of a sta- was an underreaction. Like the whole movie was an underreaction. Well, but then Holly kind of like carried the. The, Overreactions. Well, well the, the reaction, actions. the reaction to her rape from her family is like a house meeting, and then the brother being like, "Let's keep it in the family." I'm gonna give this a three and a three for underreactions and overreactions. I think this is an equal thing because, like, there was some things where I was like, "Hey, this could be cleared up with a way simpler conversation." That like involves direct dialogue. Oh no, the the overreaction. I think it at least deserves like a four or four point five. Oh, you do. I mean, like, let's talk about the insanity of like. I'm gonna give scribbling Scott Baker rapist on mirrors across campus. Um, I think that's. I think that's actually. Is that a good reaction? I think that's. I, I. You know what? It's interesting. It's like when when. Like actually speaking fails you, like writing is there for you. That's and true. like that's where I kind of was like, this is why I think if we're gonna do like where is she cried no twenty years later, like I'm gonna go ahead and say Charlotte as like a best selling author. Cause like she had a fucked up childhood. True. I think she probably anchored herself after she saved Candace Cameron from her own situation. I mean, do you wanna give it a four? I'll I'll settle with you on a four. Sure. Split the diff. Um. Yeah. Okay. 
or maybe because the underreaction is the funny rape mediated scene oh yeah the whole the whole like the you mean with the um you're right you're right this is a four or five yeah. i'm gonna give it a four or five you're right this is pretty hot and heavy so then dialogue pretty good lifetime dialogue in this it was pretty good like there were no jokes like first no is only a starting point as if rape can be mediated i did not rape you you bitch right and then you got my nose (laughs) that was like crazy as a response to being punched in the face by the girl you rapes brother that's a wild reaction let's give uh the dialogue i don't know where are you at not a five though because four yeah four okay uh wardrobe now wardrobe has two sub we have an overall and then we have two subs so we have wardrobe i'm gonna give the wardrobe in this this is a five for me i mean the transformation from harem pants the harem to 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 baggy um rape post rape wear like the idea that these harem pants and crop top are like so revealing that that would get her like she's like a hot item at this party <laughs> like they looked like a fucking primary colored potato he sack. also sees her when she first arrives on campus looking like um a zookeeper <laughs> thank you why is this, <laughs> why is an 18 year old girl wearing a button-down white blouse and a, and a mock vest over it. The it day was like she's a mock moving vest. in. Where are the sweatpants? Like, exactly right. Or like a fucking fun t-shirt. Your first day at college, you're dressed exactly right. Like a goddamn zookeeper. This is a five for a wardrobe. So in our second category is wigs and weaves. Uh, we deal with a lot of wigs and weaves in Lifetime World. Mark Paul Gosler was a brunette. I would say that's the closest we got to hair. Yeah, this one is actually very low. Because I feel like... It, I feel like as we go on, Lifetime movies get crazier with the wigs and weaves. Yeah, this is a one. And then part two, makeup, which I admired throughout the film, both good and bad. Because Jenna Von Oy's makeup post-raping makeup. was perfect. Perfect. But sometimes, like, Candace Cameron looks a mess. Um, like, three? I'll give the makeup a three. Yeah, she had a, I love that brown smoky eye. I'm going to be doing it soon. <laughs> crying was not okay so crying i'm looking for that big jerky kim k ugly cry there wasn't there was none of that like candace like silently cried in a bunk bed i'm gonna give it a one victimization of the female character five you think five i mean everyone's calling her a slut you're right she's getting crazy emails he's she's being chased through rooms by scott and yeah. let's not forget the Chilling. end when she confronts him, when he grabs her and her like scream that finally gets everyone's attention on campus. It was so crazy because like and everyone's literally... like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Where were you people when he was hunting her down and nearly killing her in that secret stairwell?" I literally was wondering the exact same thing, and I think like when she was like, "I know what to do now," and I'm like, "You mean <laughs> scream when you're in danger? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, 
I remember something happened to me like not that long ago. I was in a dangerous situation and I screamed when it happened. And my best friend was like, thank God you knew how, like you knew to scream. Like most people don't scream when they're in danger. And I think that might've been the lesson of this film is like when you're in danger, scream. Damn. Uh, okay. Font. That's our last category. Font? Mm-hmm. Like, how lifetime? I think it was a two because it was that like bookman knew. Yeah. At the end when they were doing the character. Mm-hmm. Okay, so font is. All right, so we are at twenty nine point five, twenty nine and a half. This might be our most lifetimey movie ever, Ira. It's definitely in the upper echelon. Honey, I'm so This isn't a Tori Spelling movie, but this movie is like very close to like no one would tell. Yeah, actually, you want to know what? Starving. Okay, so Drew Peterson, which we just did recently was 28.5. We beat it by a point. This is our fucking this is I think our number 1 right now. Yeah. Maybe Jody Arias is, I don't know. I gotta do this, but I gotta do better math on this. Go to go to the Tumblr page. Um, but Ira, thank you so much for joining me for this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Are there any other like legacy lifetime movies that you think we should have? Uh I mean, definitely no one would tell. Mm-hmm. Um and there's also a movie, I forget the name of it, but it starred Kim Raver. And it it was where, like, the neighborhood kids are responsible for her husband's death. Who's Kim Rafer? She was, she played, she was on 24. Oh. By the way, it's so sad because, like, I know my first name is Stephen. It was Stephen, oh my god, she looks exactly like Dina Lohan. Bond of Silence. Bond of Silence, Okay. Yeah, there was a movie called I Know My Name is Steven that starred uh, Stephen Collins, the pedophile from uh, Seventh Heaven. Yeah, there's a wild party on New Year's and the husband goes to shut it down. A confrontation occurs and he dies. Um, And no teen comes forward. And so she starts hunting for answers. But a bond of silence covers the town to protect the kids. Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. Oh my god, I can't wait to watch this. That's going to be in season two, I think. And by the way, I'm sorry. I do not believe. No. It was Luke Edwards. Stephen Collins is not in this movie. I'm sorry I brought I know my first name is Stephen and Stephen Collins into the same sentence. I apologize. The seventh heaven rapist. Especially now that it's down in popularity. 3,517% or whatever it is on IMDb. Well... Do you want to see how up? Let's see how up Nikki Cox is not up nor. Oh, she's not doing well. Okay, uh, she cried. No, let's see where we are in the IMDb rankings, really quick. It's just ranked a seven point three or six point three. There's no. That's a generous rating. There's no. There's no IMDb score for this movie. Well, wait until this podcast drops. I know it's gonna go fucking bananas. There's one critic on this movie. Their username is Andy Webb. Okay, so you guys, thank you so much for joining us, Ira. Thank you. You're the best. People can find you at Ira, which is the bomb username. It's like at malls, kind of like we're kind of like one name people. 
people. Yeah, I love it. Like Stassi, Madonna. We're all up there. Do you um, watch Vanderpump Rules? I've watched it from time to time. Okay. Well, we got to talk about reality TV. Okay. I mean, um, I don't know what I've done to you, but I'll take a Pinot Grigio. <laughs> That's listening to mother may i sleep with podcast we'd love to hear what you think about the show so reach out to us on twitter at mmiswp and while you're here why not smash that subscribe button and make us a part of your weekly routine if you want to go the extra mile leave us a review it helps our ranking in the itunes store and lets other people find the show and share the lifetime love today's show was produced by Stephen ray morris with support from christina lopez Molly Mae McMahon from Six Peaks made our logo. Our guest today was Ira Madison III. You can find him on Twitter at Ira. He's also a senior culture writer at MTV News. I'm your host, Molly McLear, and you can find me across social media as Malls or on Snapchat, Malls Official. Until next week. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Bye.